Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, Agora community. Welcome back to another conversation with with um, um, my co compadre david hubert and uh the, today we have a special uh, guest today uh, we we talked about a little bit uh, over the last couple of streams i was mentioning how we were gonna have somebody in here that is um coming from the very specific world of recruiting um he spent some time in hr as well like he's pretty much done all the things um he um we actually met because he recruited me for a company back in toronto a long time ago and we've been uh, you know buddies ever since and uh, he's a great guy, got lots to talk about. He's been seeing lots of the crazy changes over in Toronto, um, you know, and it's been kind of nuts over there when it comes to the, you know, industry shifts. Video games was never a really big thing. He worked at that video game company he recruited me for. It was called Sudor Interactive, and it was like one of the only places on the map. Um, before there was like, you know, Ubisoft showed up in town many years later after Sudo unfortunately closed. Um, so he's worked in like pretty much all the industries, um, I think, especially film. Um, uh, I think I mean, I'll, I'll let him tell us, but I mean, he's he's spent a lot, uh, a lot of time. I think it was at Stars Media and he's uh, been jumping around. He now runs his own um, his own firm. And um, I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, and hear how that journey went, why he made those decisions, why he felt like he wanted to go and go out on his own. Did it have something to do with the shifts in the industry, the pandemic? So many questions, so little time. So let's bring in David first, then we'll bring in our esteemed guest. Hello, David. Hello, Brent. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, I feel like it's something that the community has an appetite for um, because we, we usually get thrown these questions and we don't work <laughs> as recruiters. So we are giving our sort of director side perspective of that. But I mean, it's, you know, it's through sort of a ruby set of lenses because usually recruiters are the ones making it a lot easier for us. I mean, if we had to go find the people and go and like sift through them, um, it would be, I think, a, a lot of a lot a lot more like it'd be a different perspective. That's for sure. We have, yeah. we'd have a lot more perspective on it, but um, you know. Yeah. I'd say from all the questions that we received right after question related to animation, yeah. question related to recruitment, yeah. HR, culture, name it is probably number two on the list. And so yeah. far they've been uh, answered at the best of our, you know, ability by non HR people. <laughs> so that will be super interesting to have uh, the perspective of, you know, someone that is actually on the other side of the fence, it, which it is uh, yeah. his expertise and <clears throat> experience. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I feel like I might have quite a couple questions for him myself. So uh, without further ado, let's drag him in here and uh, see what happens. Boom. Lance Lafort, everyone. How are you, Lance? I'm good. Brent, David, good to see you. Thanks for having good me Good to see on. you. Yeah. Brent, awesome. Brent, this is where you should have your clapping sound effect. Oh, yeah. Okay, here. A little bit late. Wait. Oh, that's not the right one. 
there we go oh there we go a little applause meter yeah yeah that was the crowd um cheering on my my uh my terrible um streaming skills so the crowd crowd goes wild crowd does go wild when i make those kind of wonderful button presses so um yeah welcome to the show it's awesome to have you uh we've been kind of talking a little bit about this back and forth for a while you were you were i mean i was sort of talking a little bit about the the stream and the the website and you you found that interesting and you thought that there would be there would be a pretty good fit for you to come on and and uh, give your perspective and uh here you are after a little bit of a wait and um yeah so i don't how do you want to start this like where did where did this journey for you begin like give everyone a bit of a condensed in a nutshell version of lance lafort sure okay um so i was one of those kids in high school that was an art student that was like getting art awards you know it was like the kid who could draw and sketch and all that stuff. So I started as a creative person, went to school for fine art. Um, I, you know, laid out newspapers and magazines back in the day. And um, uh, as a hobby, all my friends did role-playing games. We actually made our own board games. Mm. Um, so we would study some of the big battle games at the time. And no one was making one for Dune. So we made a Dune, you know, a hex grid war game. How and do I not know this about you? I don't know. How have we not and, had this conversation before? I was surrounded by nerds growing up, so it was a fantastic, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Star Trek, Starfleet, all that stuff. I had an older brother who raced home every day to watch the original series of, of Star Trek, and that, I think, was the genesis of all the stuff that we grew up watching huh. sci-fi. Love Sid Mead. We used to, you know, any books that were out of a concept hmm. art, um, some of my friends used to buy, because we were all dabbling artists, you know, drawing these sci-fi worlds that we thought you know one day would happen and so in the fantasy and imagination of little children and we made stop motion movies on my mom's kitchen table with them <laughs> she brought home a super eight movie oh, uh, camera from the caribbean on a trip and it had a, oh, a little dial friend. that had one and i'm like oh, oh my god single so frame cool. single frame oh <laughs> so man we, we hustled a mm. tripod from somebody else's parents and you know put it on the uh, uh kitchen table and put a bunch of heat lamps which we found really melt plasticine. And um, anyways, <laughs> and, so and there's, your, there's the roots, skin. you know, there's the roots. But eventually I got into sales and marketing. So I was a creative suit, to be honest, I guess. Oh, that's um, one of those dangerous guys that walks in the studio and go, why would you do that in red? And they all go, oh, one of those guys. <laughs> uh, get, yeah. get back in your car, go sell something, go, go market. <laughs> so, um, but but the, the cool thing was I got a job recruiting um, for ad agencies that were looking for art directors mm. and copywriters and eventually VP creative director and that sort of thing. Mm. And that was fun because I'm right around people creating, you know, cutting edge advertising. And I got to meet all the big ad agencies and all mm. the creative directors. And I love that. Um, but one day I saw Craigslist ad that said talent manager video game studio. I was like, oh, my God. How did I not find this 10 years ago? <laughs> That's you so know? funny. Oh, so, man. and that was, that was at Sudo. And it was I fantastic, had no idea. You know? it, that That's was my in. And, and sadly those guys went, um, uh, you know, belly up, uh, yeah. after, you know, 2008. Yeah. Many years in the, the battle and they had some really good titles, really but, good titles. Uh, it was a cash flow issue and the project mm. slowed down. Um, anyways, long story short, I bounced into animation studios after that. Cause I had been taking, talent from animation studios to come work at the video game studio. So taking, when we went down, stealing yeah, depending on your perspective. Yeah. Okay. Good. Poaching, <laughs> you know, uh, but no, it was amazing because we were the largest, mm. I think the largest video game studio in Toronto at the time, because no one was around yet. And I was mm. actually sitting on a subcommittee of a government lobbying group mm. to try and lure Ubisoft or EA into Toronto. 
mm. um, many years earlier, you know, and eventually they showed up, but probably like six, seven years later. Mm -hmm. um, but we knew that if we can land an anchor, a great big mm -hmm. video game company, it will bring in more, right? Sure. It will be like the shot in the arm Ontario needs because Montreal was kicking everyone's butt at the time. Yeah. Um, and Vancouver was, you yeah. know, coming up a uh, quick second. And Ontario was very much animation studios, um, interactive shops, agencies, but live action nobody, film, I think, too. Yeah, a lot of live action film, but nobody had a video game studio. That's we true. were the only one in town. So we were attracting people out of animation that wanted to work in games. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was it was great. Um, you know, fantastic experience. I loved seeing, you know, they talk about how the sausage is made. I love watching how a dev kit shows up from Microsoft. And you're like, oh, my God, it's, it's not even skinned yet. This is not even released. <laughs> this, you know, and, yeah. and we were, I think, the PlayStation 3. Some of our games were going to get ported onto PlayStation 3, mm. and they hadn't even designed the housing yet. So, you know, we had, like, this under-the-hood view of what the PS3 was going to look like. And I do remember distinctly the audio engineers really pulling their hair out because mm. – all the audio files were corrupted. All the actions, so the 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 bandwidth of that machine to pour through audio was a challenge for them. And a lot of late nights and a lot of colorful words. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I worked in a bunch of animation studios. I've consulted to VFX shops, video game shops, animation studios. I have I have literally been called two or three times now where someone says we need to hire five hundred people. We heard you can do that. <laughs> uh, I'm that guy. And I've also been told sometimes, oh, we need to shut down two studios across the planet and move them over here. How can we do that? I'm like, oh, okay, okay that's a different plan. So, so, but my truck and tried lately is literally someone calls and says, I need a CG super, VFX super, I need a you know level designer or something. Um, and my team goes, we hunt them down, we try and find two or three uh, that are available, interested, and so on, and we present them to the client and and we help manage that process of getting them through the gates basically or up mm. to the dance and then they've got to do their job. So that's it. We're a small boutique, a mm. uh, handful of people. We work right around the globe. Mm. I've got clients in the UK, Australia, across North America. Um, and the market's moving. It's busy, you know, after COVID sort of on yeah. its heels now. Yeah. Different, um, but, but, but still growing, you know, yeah. in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, but I could feel it in January. I think as the vaccines start to roll out, mm. Um, especially in live action, anything to do with visual effects, all those people are waiting for plates from live action. Yep, exactly. So they they had a really tough year from about June on because they had inventory, but eventually burned through all their plates. Yep. Um, and so a lot of those shops were, you know, doing small shots and, and, and small projects. But come January, they're masked up. I've got many friends are on set uh, shooting. Um, very stringent, you know, they've got to take a COVID test every two or three days. Mm -hmm. Um, they get quarantined if they show positive. Um, they don't have a craft table anymore with food. It's all oh, you go yeah. eat your sandwich alone Sounds and no, fun. no drinks, no snacks on set because they're afraid of cross contamination. So it's, it's, uh, mm. it's a whole different world. You know, it's more like we're in a lab shooting something. <laughs> get, so, get creative people. Get creative. Yeah. <laughs> Lance, uh, I want to piggyback on, uh, on this one uh, in general, because uh, we, we've often discussed that, you know, there is going to be a before and after uh, pandemic, especially related to uh, remote uh, working. Yeah. Well, how do you see recruiting in general? I know it's a very broad topic, but recruiting sure. in general, how is it affected? What what 
What do you think the after pandemic is going to be yeah. compared to how it used to be? So I'll give you a couple stories, you know, from, from talking to clients, <clears throat> because I find this fascinating right now because we're going through organizational change, uh, cultural, business. There's also, it's impacting lots of businesses, right? Um, one uh, studio I know is um, they went from about 30,000 square feet down to 3,000. They've wow. literally divested of their bricks and mortar and they have a small sort of presentation office for clients. Um, and they just said it's working better than we expected. And the, 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 what they said was a lot of people with children, it's impacted the families positively. Um, and they're in, um, you know, children's entertainment. So we used to joke years ago, all these people making all this stuff for kids, but nobody has time to go home and see them. You know? <laughs> That's it. So, <laughs> They're working to take care of everyone else's kids and not their own. Pretty much, right. And the, the kids are growing up, you know, playing video games. Uh, anyway, so so that's one one element that I've seen. Um, another one, I was talking mm -hmm. to a client uh, who said that they are um, conceptually coming up with two price plans for, 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 for service work, you know. So, you know, Hollywood Studio comes to them mm -hmm. and says, we need, you know, 300 shots done or 5,000 shots or whatever the movie is. Um, and they say, here's the in-studio price. Here's the remote price. The remote price is cheaper because they don't have to maintain the building, the oh, HVAC, mm. all the expenses that go in, just the maintenance of a facility, right? Um, Aircon, plumbing, how many toilets, all that operational stuff, right? And, and they're giving the client the choice between those two different production sort of scenarios? That's been a conversation. I don't know how far it's evolved, but that was the concept a few months ago. Yeah. Um, because the employees, some of them are saying, I don't want to work in the studio. I'd rather work from home. Naturally. Um, and so I think there's also going to be a, an attraction factor for any employer, right? And you've seen it in the big tech firms like Facebook saying, you know, yeah. we're going to take 50% of the people back or Apple said everyone's going back. Like, did they really? You know, yeah, and and I think they're going to have to walk back from that statement at some point because well, yeah. otherwise everyone's just going to march over to Google and say goodbye, Apple. But Apple is very specific about their security on all their product and all their marketing yeah. and product launches. So they take this stuff as a cultural thing, and uh, and their you know their comfort would be no, no, we do this in a controlled environment. Mm. Um, but we'll see, you know, it's, it's, it's something that will evolve over the next 18 to 24 months. And we're all going to be part of the, the test group, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right? We are the sample. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and I've, I've got, um, I talked to a couple of executives in the last few weeks who said, I hate this remote stuff. And I said, why? And they said, well, you know, that hallway conversation, you're going down the hall and you see something and go, Oh, I forgot. Hey, you know, and they said, you can't do that. You're sitting there at home. And the only one you forget about is your dog or something like it's the <laughs> stimulus. And so they said, you've got to make that like micro and macro lists of mm. things just to remember and not to forget and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so some of the executives have said, I'm doing way more mental work and I now have to schedule a meeting for the aha conversation mm. that I would have had like 30 seconds in the hall. Yeah. It's not so spontaneous it's, anymore. It literally has to exactly. be scheduled. Another yeah. one, um, I was talking mm. to some people shooting mocap recently. And I said, how's that going for you? <laughs> and, you know, there's lots of laughter. Ha, ha, ha. It's not funny. Uh, <laughs> so several cameras streaming into the mocap studio. The whole team is working remote except yeah. for the director yeah. and one technician and the actors, right? But yeah. normally you'd have six or eight or 10 mm. or 12 people on the stage, right? So, and also they said the director would normally whisper to an assistant, 
hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. And now he yeah. or she has to email somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had this thought, you know, it's no longer fresh or raw or organic. It's now, you know, you've got to get into your frontal lobe or whatever to type up a message. So mm. no one's digging that at all, from what I can tell, right? Even yeah. the actors are probably going, this is really weird because I'm waiting for an yeah. email now whether we've got that scene right or not, yeah. right? So I think... It, I think that kind of depends on the, the, the actual facility though, too. Cause I, I actually did a shoot just not so long ago with yeah, uh, an outfit yeah. in Vancouver called beyond capture, a little yeah. shout out to them. Um, and they had it set up so that I was able to be there and like had a live view from two different camera angles. Yeah. And I was just, I was on monitor. I could actually just yeah. speak. And, well, and well, I would be, it was, we was weird. I could, I could hear my voice echoing off the walls as yeah. I would actually say something, but yeah. it, it worked. It worked. But I truly believe you just hit on a point. We're going to see new technology evolve here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All sorts yes. of stuff that we never needed four or five years yeah. ago or even two years ago. Yeah. There will be some great advancements in how we do this. Absolutely. Um, and and I don't know if you remember, like, the <clears> first <throat> the first um, Halo game that came out, um, Bungie uh, made it. I think they had 16 animators in-house and 30 remote. Yeah, and that's got to be 20 that. years ago or 18 years yeah. ago when the first Halo came out. So, you know, people have been doing remote work for an awful long time. Yeah, yeah. It just it just isn't comfortable for a lot of studios or hasn't been. Or if it was service work from, you know, a Disney or an Activision or any of those big companies, they usually say none of it can go out of house. Yeah, it's that, exactly. It's a legal thing. Exactly. Yeah, or we'll take the project away from you, right? Yeah, yep. And so um, that's another one of my curiosities. Did those large clients go back to that format? Let's say a year from it now. It will be that will be the question. Mm. That's the one that's right. on everyone's mind, right? Because they've already yeah. proven the pandemic forced them to prove it can be done. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to walk it back and be like, "Oh no, this can't be done." It's, it's like, "Oh really?" Yeah, <laughs> it, it's going to be difficult because the, the the studio and even VFX studio that were that were notorious to keep everything uh, in house. Now that they had no choice but to provide those remote desktop connection yeah. to yeah. everyone, those that figure out a way to keep this flexibility with their own employees, freelancers and all that are going to have a huge advantage to the others, which means that arguably they'll be able to produce more and better work. So right. does it mean that at some point, let's take you know Disney as a big cli uh, client for VFX Studio because of all the, uh, uh, the uh, um, Marvel and Star Wars and, and all that. If they impose that everyone needs to be back somehow it means that they can only work with those to do that do not provide this flexibility and somehow right. might not be able to provide the same volume of work so it, it's kind of a you know catch 22 yep. uh, uh, yeah. at some point yeah. that's going to be very interesting to see how it uh, evolves over time it yeah will be yeah interesting that's for sure yeah we're all waiting you know it, it, it will definitely be <clears throat> interesting because i wonder about you know companies that have sold off all their real estate do they have to go buy another studio again you know, yeah, rent one, exactly. One, right? Yeah, because um, exactly, it's not it's not a trivial thing to do. I mean, take a look at Ubisoft, right? Ubisoft is enormous. They've taken over like an entire corner. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, Brent. <laughs> Ubisoft Toronto. Oh, oh, yeah, my Ubisoft window. Toronto. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, what? What? Yeah, totally. And it's just it's big, and like to yeah. downsize is a, probably an intelligent idea. But that at, at the same time, how do you even begin yeah. to do something as well, big as well, that? Well, here's here's the benefit. Here's one of the benefits I see, because I've been at several studios where we are busting at the seams, right? We are in a growth mode. We've mm -hmm. just hired 300 people on top of 250. We're at 550. This has happened about three times to me. And every morning I meet with the ops guy and go, have we got enough desks? 
do we have enough computers? Did you get enough Maya licenses? How about Houdini? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're fractured down to like the last one or two. And we're like, oh no, three guys are starting next week. <gasps> we're out of computers. What the hell? Right. And so, or we're out of software licenses. Right. And so I truly love the idea that if you could have 30 or 40% of your people working from home, or you hit a spike where you bring in more work than you can physically handle in the building, having the flex of being able to say, Hey, you 30, 40 people go home. Do you want to work from yeah. home? You know, maybe there's a lottery system or something, but companies would be able to develop some sort of ideas around this where mm-hmm. now we no longer have to buy another 30 desks. I've been at places where we rented another facility for six months to get a project done and then yep. collapsed it when we left. Right. Yep. And, and the, the setup cost was large, oh, yeah. hundreds of exactly. thousands of dollars. And, and then, you know, to pull out uh, when we were done. So, there is a beauty or a silver line. There's money, potential silver linings of this period of time that we've just gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, you know, my joke too is uh, I used to catch the flu. It seemed like every two or three years in the studio because somewhere in September you'd hear it. <coughs> and then by the end of the week, it was <coughs> everywhere. Yeah, right? It was like a chorus of coughing. And by October, it was you in the morning waking up. like, Oh, oh damn me. Right. And, and there'd be a wave, and I, I truly think it was kids going back to school in September, bringing on oh, their mom yeah. and dad, mom and dad go to work, give it to everybody, right? And then there was another wave around Christmas time where everyone got together with a different pod of people, all their relatives. They caught something. They bring it back to the studio in January, and there's a second wave of influenza usually, right? Mm. Thank you, COVID. That didn't happen. Like, you know, as mm. tough as COVID was, there were elements of we're not passing on, you know, standard six centimeters. I, I don't know if this is really relevant, but... To yeah. me, it's it's like a, um, you know, even grocery carts have never been cleaner ever in the history of grocery <laughs> carts. You know, there's more alcohol uh, not being consumed, but, you know, wiping things down than ever before. So yeah, if you're yeah. a germaphobe, I'm not. But if you were, I'd be like, this is paradise. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you think well, of how many people paradise. are paradise. And hell at the same time, because it's right. like there's a real, like an actual, really scary thing out there for sure. Yes, but at the same yes. time, there's actually you everywhere you look, there's people taking it. Finally, people are taking this stuff seriously. Finally. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to downplay the seriousness of that. So please don't get me wrong. I'm just no, 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 for sure. On it. But you know, yeah. you can think of how many people we know that sit at their computer station, their desk with action figures that they haven't been washed in about 20 years and they're eating. The greasy pizza and whatever and all this stuff and like you know it's not really the most hygienic environment for some people right so uh, you, that that picture you just painted is not familiar at all to me i don't know what you're talking about guys we should probably handle some questions and get back on topic i think we've yeah. got a rabbit hole let, let's. I'm just curious because the, most of the uh, what we just discussed is from the studio side, and you know, yeah. as HR, you're kind of bridging the gap between talent yeah. and, and studio. Do you have any stories or feedback from mm. artists uh, themselves or yeah. potential employee of how the, it might influence the kind of studio oh, that absolutely. they want to work for? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, th- you got to think about it. the thing that always um, one of the things in HR we would track um, uh, churn. How many people leave? Right. And we would also track how many people come back. So contractors that come in for Mm. six or eight months, do they want to come back? That was always for me a barometer. Oh, they've come back. They like to come back. Mm. A lot of them sometimes, even at some studios, they said, you know, the project wasn't phenomenal, but the people were great and the environment was fantastic. And so I would hear that and go, okay, we're we're going to two out of three. The project wasn't good, but the people Mm. were good and the environment's good, right? So we're doing two, two things right. We just have to get them a sexier project, right? Maybe some zombies, whatever they're after, right? Um, So... 
But long story short, what I'm looking at is how do you, in a remote setup, create an environment? How do you create the glue that sticks people together? Because generally speaking, you know, if you work on three deadlines with, a, with the same 15 or 30 or 40 people, there's like some sort of trust value that develops in the team, right? You bonded, you broke an ice, somebody swore, somebody had a baby, there's all these life events happen, but you build a community, quite frankly. You build a team, right? Uh, I think of Guy Ritchie making, uh, I think it was Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, he made the whole crew, even the writers, play soccer for like a week or something. Mm -hmm. And they were all pissed off. I don't please, you know, one of the writers, I don't even play soccer. African guy made me play soccer. And all it was was to break down the bonds. He wanted them to sweat together, swear together, push each other around, so that when they actually started filming the movie, they felt like they knew each other. Mm. He was accelerating what we do in a studio in the first several weeks or the first couple deadlines or the crunch. Yeah, yeah. One crunch, everyone comes out the other side going, oh, man, I, that guy's got my back. He, he or she's, like, amazing, right? You, did you see that thing she did? Oh, you know, they've shared a bonded yeah. experience, right? My yeah. joke is always, like, you know, you think those guys are – come out of Vietnam, they're like, oh, Saigon, 69, where were you? Oh, I was in uh, Hanoi. Really? You know, and that's the same sort of thing. You were on, like, the third uh, Halo game? Whoa, really? And so we have these things that we share as common experiences. This is a challenge, I think, with what we're going through right now because, the you know, the interruption, the distraction of the physical space and the computerization of our conversations, right? I'm sure everyone's in Slack and all sorts of chat-type formats, uh, to me, it feels mechanical, but maybe somebody who just gets into the industry right now will just go, this is normal. This is what I grew up with. This is, you know what I mean? So maybe there's a generational shift as well that mm -hmm. some people use the tools, you know, innately, whereas for other people, it's, it's, a, it's a shift, right? Yeah. Um, but again, I, I truly think this is a, a great experiment that we're all in the middle of, all of us. We're are you seeing trends then, like the different types of demographics that are having a harder time with that kind of work style versus others that really just think it's the best thing ever since sliced bread? I, I think the challenge is a brand new mm. graduate needs a lot of handholding or support. Mm. Okay. And so those, I believe some of those folks are struggling the most because um you know the trainer is not in the room you know a lot of us learn you know organically by listening to the person next to us getting a review hey yeah. that model's a little tight there i wouldn't have done that with the edge loops you need to fix this up you know show me those wireframes and two or three new people can just like sort of eavesdrop and and, and get trained right yeah it's very difficult right now unless we're doing a group format and yeah. again when i go back to i think we're going to need new technology or to use the existing technology in ways that bridge these gaps, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can give you a few examples too of people that would love to go back in the studio. Um, a few people I've heard from, they love the idea that when they leave the studio, they had an hour commute home in the car in traffic mm -hmm. and no one could text or call them for that hour. And the same on the way in, they were like grace periods of like, oh, Dan's mm -hmm. in the car, can't get him till he gets here, yeah. right? They're bubbles that they they, they have right? that, they, yeah, exactly, it's interesting. So it's like, Dan's at the cottage, but he's probably on his phone. I'm going to call him, right? And it could be 9 o'clock at night, you know, and he's like, oh, i got to take this call. So there's elements of, and I've read a lot about this and talked to a lot of people, setting boundaries, you know. The first um, month or so of COVID, you know, everyone was really hunkered down. No one was allowed out. And so people produced a lot of work because they were bored, Um 
or they just thought, well, I can't do anything else right now. I'll do a bit more footage. I'll do a few more shots. I'll do, yeah. you know, something. And, and I think the novelty of that wore off after a while. And so, um, you know, the, the question you asked is quite broad. And I think it really depends on the individuals. It depends on the studio. But this is for people who are project managers, producers, anybody in project management has and, and supervisory roles has to really have conversations around this and figure out what's working, what's not. And, and yeah. question people, ask them. Survey if you need to, you know, put out some some questionnaires if you've got a you know a diverse team that's all over the place and say, hey guys, what's working, what's not? And let's work on this together, right? This is a team. It's not, I'm gonna tell you what to do. I wanna know what's working for you. So, you know, management style would be interesting to see um, the formats of what's working and then to track it. Actually, you know, if we have time to create some data around this, this worked, that didn't work. The team's actually 10% above quota right now because they're, they're loving this, right? Or they're 10% behind or 20% behind what's going on. Um, I heard last spring, many, many shows were ahead of schedule. They all had oh, about yeah. a five, five day bump of, you know, getting set up at home. And then by June, uh, several producers I know said, this is the best thing ever. We're ahead of schedule. Don't tell anyone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but things are going really well. Um, Interesting. So it's uh, funny. I like, it seems like the, the numbers are kind of showing that their product productivity is higher in some cases, but yet, but, the, but yet the, a lot of the people in this, especially the supervisor and executive level feel like the quality of that experience is lower. Yeah. Yeah, truly. That's, that's what I'm hearing uh, a lot from people who are managing that it was easier to walk into a, a finite facility with everyone in one spot. You can yeah. immediately see who was there and who wasn't there. You could immediately see that they'd showed up and they were there for a full day or not. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, unless you can track the quota, how do we know what's going on? You know, did that person yeah. walk their dog for three hours today and now they're going to work all night? Um, and so those are some of the concerns. Do we build, you know, like I've seen some companies build digital tools to track that. Mm. Um, and if you build the wrong tool, the artists will be quite upset. They'll feel like they're now, you know, chained to this yeah, device yeah. that you've created. So interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, all brand new world, right? This is, uh, is it Isaac Asimov? This is <laughs> all new territory, really, you know, um, yeah. Uh, Brent, should we start to pull some of the uh, questions? Yeah, we have a had? lot. We have a lot. So I think okay. we should probably put a probably a bit of a priority on, on Q&A on this particular uh, conversation just because of the, the backlog we have. Oh, geez. I kicked the friggin' Chad glass. Okay, so <laughs> let me see here. Um, I guess we should pull from the top, I would imagine, yeah? yeah? Okay. Yeah. So uh, we, we have many. We probably won't be able to go through them the, Them also. Yeah, there's, there's no way. Anyone oh. that is catching your, your eye. Okay, let me just do a quick look. Um... Um, oh, I, I, this is a second one I really like a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna send that one. Like an actual. Yeah. Uh, I don't have oh. the name of the person, but here it's this I'm one. I'm reading right. it now. Is this one? Why is oh. it that when recruiters reach? Oh no no. no no this yeah. is yeah no, it's okay. Well, we can we can get to that one. That's um, a good one too. Uh, yeah no, I it's for sure. Well, we can we can go with that one first if you want. Go ahead. Take it. Yeah. So, so the question there is, why is it that when recruiters reach out to artists, they don't reveal the name of the studio they'd be working for? I've heard from somewhere that it's because if you knew the company name, you'd apply there directly, and the recruiter would lose you. That's not far off the off the actual beaten path. Um, so, recruiters, it's a, no one really 
talks about how the business works, but there's many, many different business models and how a recruiter gets connected to a client. So the answer isn't just one answer. It could be a number of things. Um, if they haven't collected a deposit uh, from the client, some of them work on contingency only. So, mm. and a client might hire two or three recruiters and say, go find us a CG super, go find us a, a pipeline engineer. And the client doesn't pay any money for that. They only pay, it's kind of like a race. Who can get mm -hmm. the right person through the door first, right? And so that recruiter doesn't want to reveal the client name for exactly what this question says, because the company then says, well, we don't have to pay you. We just got this person direct. They just came in on their own, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's one element for sure. Another element sometimes is um, the recruiter might want to show several profiles to the client first and let the client mm. make up their own mind and not have to interview all six or eight or 10 people. Yeah. So the client sometimes, not the recruiter, the client requests anonymity and yeah. says, don't tell anyone what you're doing, uh, but here are eight or 10 questions we'd like you to ask them and pre-qualify them for us because we don't want to do this legwork. We're hiring you to do it. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, there are other examples, but I've had many, many times where, or here's another ripple that client is going to fire the person that's in the job right now. Oh, so they don't want it yeah, out yeah, there yeah, yeah. in the community and they don't yeah. want that. Let's say CG sure. super. I just keep using CG super, whoever the supervisor is. Yeah. They don't want that person to know it's coming. They want to yeah. replace them. They want to fire them and put the new person in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Because it would be pretty obvious in some positions because you probably you, you only have one or two of these types of roles at the company. Absolutely. So if they're yeah. looking to fill that role and then it gets back to the person who's doing that role, it's yeah. like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that's why they won't even post an ad. That's another reason why they hire a recruiter. Yeah. So it's confidential search. Totally, Because totally. if they post the ad, like if, if if you walked into work one day and someone said, hey, Brent, I think your job's up on the website. You went, what? Yeah. And you go on the website and then you're like, what? Should you know, I apply? You'd be running, you know, you'd be running <laughs> up to whoever owns the company going, uh, this is a strange way yeah. of terminating. This, yeah. And then they'd be that really awkward thing like, no, oh, dude, yeah. we love you. This is so we're going to add another person just like yeah. you. And yeah, you're like, yeah. I can't be cloned. You know. So anyways, there's, there's many ripples as to mm. why a client might be. So potentially, you know, to answer that question, I could give you six or eight scenarios. Mm. I, you know, I literally had one 20 years ago in advertising where we posted, my boss posted an ad in a, a trade publication in the UK, mm. thinking this is far enough away from Toronto. No one in Toronto will see it, but we were going to replace the senior vice president of a big ad agency. And sure enough, she's on an airplane. She opens oh, no. that magazine. Oh, she no. reads the job description. She goes, oh, you know, F, 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 F. Yeah. She now knows she's getting fired. Um, oh, that's so bad. And when she landed, first phone call to my boss, hey, Terry, I saw your company place this ad. Are you replacing me? Are you doing a search to, to, to replace me? You know, and there's my boss kind of, um, <clears throat> some caught in my throat. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, but no, he covered. He just said, look, even if I was, I couldn't tell you, you know, if that Man. was my client, you know, it, and, and, he, and he said, there's a number of agencies in the city that could be any one of them. So look, I, I'm under, if I'm under contract to replace you, I can't have that conversation. with Exactly. You. 
Exactly. Yeah. It puts you in a kind of a pretty big pickle, I guess, in many, many scenarios. Like you, in that role, you know, so many of the company's secrets. It's sort of like IT at a company, you know, they're usually the right. first ones to know someone's going to get, get laid off because they have to start securing things down. Like there's right. a bunch of protocol about securing information and law, you know, like, cause if that's, especially if they're a supervisor, there's, they have yeah. access to things. They have to slowly, they have to well, essentially get things ready so they can hit a trigger on the day yeah. of, and then everybody oh, just gets shut off. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, there's another, we could talk all day, but I've got, I have a routine for firing people when I've had to be in that role where I don't tell anybody except the president usually. Mm. And then the head of IT or system services, I will say at four o'clock today, you be ready. I'm going to give you a, a name at four o'clock oh, or five okay. o'clock, whatever it is. Yeah. So it's not on an email. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Other companies, it, again, it's, it's very confidential. So I, I do verbal on that for the first 10 days that we're close. And, um, and then literally even the IT guys don't know who's, they know someone's going to get terminated, That's right? crazy. but it's, it's yeah, one of those ways. Cause you know, I find that, um, you know, a, a rumor, whether it's good or bad, will fly through a studio faster than anything. Right. So, you know. oh yeah. No, All right. Sure. Let's take another question. I hope yeah. that helped. I hope that helped, but yeah. Yeah. I think it did. It sheds a lot of light on it in my mind. Yeah, I, mean, there's, I, there's, I didn't even think about the whole idea of like you could be in a position of looking for somebody that might be getting replaced, and that be a big reason as to why you can't openly yeah. discuss the actual company and project. That's crazy. Yeah. Makes a lot oh, of sense, I, though. Yeah, I've, I've literally been working in a studio where you know I've got to let go several senior executives, yeah. and I can't post an ad for that. Yeah, I know. You no, know, it's impossible. And not only yeah. that, there's going to be some stuff hitting the fan blades when they find out, right? And there yeah, is, yeah, right? Exactly. There's those Always. Days. Always these interesting conversations in their office with the door closed of, you know, you've done a great job. It's just was whatever, yada, yada, yada. And, yeah. um, you know, it's that top down of, of we're going to, you know, transition you out. Yeah. Um, and, and then bringing the new person in, it's a whole other thing of, you know, uh, introduction to the team and so on. So it's, um, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, no, I get it. Dave, you were going to say something. What was you going to say? Yeah, I just wanted to mention. Uh, I took the time to kind of uh, reorganize a little bit the uh, the the question oh, in the backlog to make it easier for you. Yeah, that was you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. So for the next one, if we need to go there, you can just go from top to bottom. Okay, okay. you're amazing. That's awesome. Okay, well, I, I I like this one, so let's do it while we have it up here. Yeah. Uh, it's a question uh, that had there was no name associated with it. So the question was: Is it a red flag if a studio's organization takes a long time to respond to your emails, even if they had said they'll drop the contract and get it to you by a specific specific day and don't this is a classic this yeah. is such okay. a classic so, so let, light let, on this yeah Mr. yeah yeah so um again none of us can imagine the 25 million things going on at any one studio right yeah because um, they're different they're all different and the people are different and the workload is different right so um there's a i think a diplomatic way of handling that which is hey um haven't heard from you guys in a while <laughs> just making sure everything's okay um, do you think we'd see that in the next 48 hours? You know what I mean? Just a ping yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Right? yeah. And to put a, put a time frame around it too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was hoping mm. to hear back from you last week, but didn't, I know you're probably busy. Um, do you think we could have a quick chat, even a, a five minute uh, touch base before Friday? Uh, mm. Yes or no. Yeah. Right. Yeah and, yeah. yeah. and what could have happened is a number of things. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know, uh, you, you probably heard about Blue Sky Studio in Connecticut mm -hmm. um, going belly up recently. Disney acquired them from Fox many years ago. The guys that did all the Ice Age movies and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but a perfect example, you know, a couple of buddies of mine last summer were like, well, I'm going back to Blue Sky in the fall. And I'm like, are you? Yeah, yeah, no, they've got a contract started in a, 
Have you seen the contract? Because I, <laughs> I heard some ripples yeah. that things were going over budget and things weren't going well. And then a couple friends of mine that worked there were like, I, I don't want to jinx this, but, you know, brace for something. And I was thinking brace for a slowdown, some lay, mm. layoffs and so on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you weren't clearly, expecting this. Clearly got much worse. So, um, you know, in that example, those two individuals were not getting their contract because someone in HR or management said, no, no, right. no, 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 no. Yeah, Don't that's right. Until we know what's happening because Disney hadn't made up their mind. You know, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors. So again, if somebody's late, it could be it could be someone's sick. It could be the VP of HR has to sign it and he or she is away right now. There's a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it could be the project that was supposed to get greenlit is now looking like a yellow light, not a green light. Exactly. But they don't want to tell you that, right? Yeah. So it's really, too bad I, they don't have like a prepared like because the, the problem is is that the recruiting kind of gets paused and oh, don't 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 tell them anything because there might be like a, an embargo even on the information yeah. and no one wants to say anything at all and right. so but then it leaves these people in the lurch are kind of wondering what's what's up right? right like so so my training years ago from working with a senior recruiter had been in the business 30 years he always said keep the process moving hmm. keep it hot and yeah. tell your client hey they're going to read into this that you might not be interested. Do you want them yep. to read into them like that? Yeah. Like, don't do this. Yeah, so, yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's our job to then talk with the client and make sure, look, if you don't have any information, what can I give them right now? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. there's been a, like, you want to give them some piece of information. Other In the vacuum, people create their own stories always. Yeah, right? all the time. That's the challenge, right? So yeah. and it's silence, for, for new people that are just out of, out of school. They have no right. life experience or work experience to even know how to interpret that that silence yeah. and that sort of that the abyss of information. Right. You know, right? Well, and it, you know, and my other joke about uh, uh, bad westerns is the quick and the dead. I don't remember that movie, but the title mm. reminds you that you're either quick or dead. And so in recruiting, I use that all the time. Look, if that person gets two or three other offers in the next week, in during the silence. Mm. And they don't ping us back to say, hey, I got another offer. They just take it. That's it. They're and gone. That's it. Yeah. So, so you know, I pressure the client to say, we need to stay in constant conversation with them. Even if something slowed down at your end, at least let them know that. Give them a heads up, you know, some sort of uh, signal. Hey, you know, there's been a delay because so-and-so is on vacation and I need that person's signature before I can go forward. Does that help? Okay. Hope. Yeah. No, it's good. I think so. So the, I would, so in closing, then I would imagine the biggest advice is like you said, it's like, try to try to frame your, if you're worried about it, send an email, but try to be polite, but also try to give some sort of, some sort of like, not an ultimatum, but try to suggest a time frame and then make it a yes or no answer so that they can be like, I think I can get you an answer is one way or another by the end of the week. And if they say that, that means there's a good chance that like, that you're probably still in the running and it's not because they yeah. don't want you, but there's something else probably a bit more complicated going on. Possibly. Yeah, Brent, the one word you use, ultimatum, absolutely is the point. Don't don't stand on the end of your heels and start threatening. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't hear from you by Friday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you can tell us some stories that. of the kind of emails you've gotten yeah. over the years. Oh, absolutely, right? And, <laughs> and I always say, like, you know, never try to hold someone for ransom because never. if they call your bluff, Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, so exactly. careful, careful where you yeah. wave, wave that sword. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, good no. advice. Okay, we got another out, one here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, what do you think about animation tests at the point of getting hired? Look, if I was an animator and someone said, uh, we have to do a test, I would do one flat out. Is it going to take me five or six or eight or 10 hours? I'm going to do it. If I really want that job and I want to work at that company, you know, and some people say, don't do it, don't do it. I don't care. 
if it were me and I really wanted that job and that's the hurdle, I'm just going to take the hurdle. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Right. Yeah. Um, and if they don't like my test, they don't like my test. And, and if it has to be done, look overnight, I'm going to say, really, look, I'm sorry. I'll do it on the weekend. Yeah. Like, so, so a quick question on that. In your experience, are those tests usually paid for? And if not, should they be? Um, I have never seen in my life a paid test. Um, it's not product the studio is going to make money and put out. Um, and again, this is just my opinion. Yeah. You, you know, you will get five or six or 10 opinions on this. Um, but I truly, I've seen people hire people sometimes and go, I wish we'd have done a test. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my God, we should have done. Look, pseudo uh, back in the day, Brent had a fantastic C++ uh, yeah. programming test. It had about seven questions. Yeah. Two of them were unsolvable, but you never told the applicant that. Yeah. So you deliver the test and say, here's these seven questions and here's the criteria. And here's what you can do. You can even copy and paste code from other places to, to finish the questions. Yeah. Uh, we expect the test back in a couple days, right? The guys who really knew C++ would send back within an hour, hey, guys, number three and seven are unsolvable. <laughs> I love it. I love Was that it. intentional? Are you messing yeah. with me? Right? Like yeah, they nailed yeah. it instantly just yeah. by reading the code. They're like, that, that. Was that Come written on. wrong? What's wrong yeah, with you guys? Yeah, right? yeah. So those people got interviews immediately. For sure they did. And the people who didn't were the guys that called back two days later. I'm still struggling with number three and seven. Can I get a couple more days? We're like, take as much time as you want. <laughs> you know, like, oh man. But but it was it was a you know it separated the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and so yeah. look, uh and and for the people who really know their C, they did that test in about an hour. It was nothing. It was like yeah. boom, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. two hours at the most. Yeah, mm -hmm. And they also thought if I want to work at the only studio in Toronto and this is the hurdle, I'm jumping the hurdle. I don't care. Yeah. I'm jumping the hurdle. Right. So do you, so in your experience, cause I, I totally get it for programmers because I think if you can't see the way that they solve problems and they're sort yeah. of their critical thinking skills, that's yeah. really kind of more, more or less what you're hiring them for. Right. I think right. like, uh, I'm wondering, do you see the same kind of effectiveness with animation tests? Um, I would defer to animation directors on that, like yourself, but the challenge with reels, as you know, especially if it's a junior intermediate, who else touched this? Who else polished it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what you're seeing on their demo reel, and, you know, I often ask for breakdowns, and then I ask who your supervisor was, and I've got senior matte painters lying. Um, you know, oh, everything in here is mine. And I'm like, really? I'm going to call like, the three other matte painters I know that worked on that show. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's uh, it. Perfect example. Um, and, and it was one way, way, many, many years ago. I don't want to tell too many stories and name too many names. But somebody claimed in an interview um, with, with someone standing right next to me that he had fixed, I'm just going to say, a portion of a movie, a big blockbuster movie that they called him in to fix. The fellow sitting next to me was best friends back in school with the supervisor on that part of the movie. And after this fellow left the interview, he phoned his friend and said, did this guy do the following on that movie? And he went, I've never heard of that guy before, you know? <laughs> and so back to your yeah. point, are tests valuable? Yeah. Uh, you know, depends on the, well, how the test is set up. 
Yeah, I, it, I've always felt like it, as long as it's not, it's not expecting three days of your time. Like if it's it's going to no, take no. a couple hours or an evening to do, then right. it's funny though because I think that's that what you bring up is really important because I think people need to be sent. That's why it's great to have you here because I think it's very obvious that that the other side of the equation can read into a lot of these kinds of practices mm -hmm. and they don't see the big picture, so they just feel like well, yeah. they just want work for free. No, it's unfortunately there's a bunch of bad apples that have totally spoiled it for everybody, yeah. and yeah. because plagiarism does happen on demo reels more than people would like to to, to, to think and so yeah. i mean at the end of the day a company does have a right to protect its interests and not hire yeah. somebody's salary that's yeah. a liar like and like yeah. how so it's an interesting way to get around that problem I, I could write a book and fill a basket of the people i've moved around the globe only to find out two or three months later in the studio someone's going uh oh uh oh uh oh and now we paid for airfare we paid for hotel accommodations. That's we it. paid for meals. We paid for we we're out like ten something, fifteen, twenty thousand yeah. dollars sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, and this poor person now has to relocate back home, right? Uh, this is a mess. Everyone yeah, wears the mess. A huge right? mess. Had this been fixed with a one or two day or four hour test? Are you kidding me? We would have saved tons of time. This individual would have saved tons of time. You know, I can think of people who have literally sold their homes left their apartments, packed everything up in the car, drove across, you know, yada, yada, yeah. flown across the world. Um, um, I, I saw a guy in Montreal that was there from India, another guy from China, had to go back to China, had oh, to go back to India. That's rough. That's rough. You know, after a nine-month immigration uh, thing and le legal fees to get all these work permits yeah. and it's, visas it, and stuff. It's bad for everybody in a case like this, yeah, right? Like, yeah. it's just messy. Sergey so and, and Sergey and Chat had something really interesting to say about this topic, and it was – from, from their perspective. So this is because fun little ping pong we got going on here because they're like, okay, cool. But like, just the, the, here's the scenario. Like he's been in the situation. Well, I'll just read it. He says, as for the test request from a studio who can who contacted me, um, that, that, and that required about 10 days in total. So they can yeah. also quote unquote, see how it is to work with me. It was also <laughs> not paid and yeah. they never, ever even revealed the salary range that they could expect if they actually did said test and so yeah. i so i think that it's interesting right let's like the, the truth lies in the middle somewhere there are some studios that yeah. are doing this but they're abusing it and it oh, gives absolutely. a bad name no, to I, studios I, and mistrust starts to develop on the actual artist side and on the other side it's like well some of these things are actually reasonable and they are you know maybe paying or they yeah. only want like a certain amount of time being spent so i guess the, 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 the it, everyone uh, needs to get in a room and agree on terms or something no you know no I, mean? I, I completely agree 10 days is crazy right that's yeah, like uh and, and without all the other criteria Criteria. Yeah, like there uh, no, needs hell to no, be. Hell no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I guess a, that's, so. That's we like David's right. David poked me on the side that we have like a ton to get yeah. through. So okay. I, I'm gonna what, what I'm gonna try to do is we're gonna try to make this almost like we got you for a Speed very day. limited amount of time. We're gonna tear through these. So here okay. we go. Um, go. Can you share some tips or advice to, to prepare for an interview? Let's try to get sure. keep this okay. uh, down in general. Like, to, so let's see if we can focus on what are like the main things yeah. that like you know people need to be okay. able to figure out. A couple things then. First off, the interview should never be your first interview, right? Look at what yeah. we're doing right now. We're talking on the screen. You can record a Zoom call, whatever you want to do. So even, you know, do mock interviews, right? Like sports, you go and you practice, 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 and then you play the other team. Same thing for interviews. It should never yeah. be, oh, my God, I'm really nervous. I'm effing nervous. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out, freaking out, right? Mm -hmm. No, no, freak out with your friends and yeah. play around with it. Like, what questions would you ask, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a good and, idea. Just mock so interviews. The other thing is if you were to do, let's say you're interviewing at five different places, I bet you the fourth and fifth interview, you're in a groove. Number mm. one, two, and three, you're cold, right? Mm. Oh, I never thought of that. Uh, right? Yeah. But by the fourth interview, you're like, 
zing, zing, zing. So yeah. the deal is number one interview should already be your fourth because you've like, uh, you know, play tested at home basically. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, get a bunch of kids over with pizza and beer and do a bunch of mock interviews. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and think about it. Think about what is the audience and what are they going to ask you? They're going to ask you like things like, you know, what did you really do well in school or at your last studio? I often ask people, what's your superpower? Because some people are generalists and they say, well, I'm good at this following 25 things. Okay, that's cool. If I put you in a room and you had five minutes to do one thing or it's the end of your life, what are you going to do? Oh, crap, I'm going to do this because I'm really good at that. Thank you. That's your superpower, right? Yeah. So drill into strengths and weaknesses. Is there an area you are weak in and you either want to learn more or you've realized you can't do that and you're not interested at all, right? Yeah. Where are you trending to go? Because I always tell people have one or two things you're really good at and one or two things that support those, i.e. Yeah. animator needs to know modeling and rigging, right? Yeah, yeah, surfacing yeah. needs to know models, needs to know where his surfacing stuff's going down the pipe, right? So know the, the other two departments that surround yeah. whatever you're doing. Um, because also in a small studio, you're now valuable because you might end up doing all totally. three of those things. Absolutely. Also more employable because now you have three skill sets rather than That's I'm right. just a surfacing guy. I'm, there's a guy I know who says, I just do fur and feathers. Just fur and feathers. That's right? yeah, I'm like, specific. really? No lighting? <laughs> oh, fur and feathers, man. I'm on the couch till someone calls. Right? So look, I, you know, awesome. back to the question, sharing some tips. I, I think, again, don't go in cold. Um, find out who's going to interview you, you know, if you can. Uh, you know, some well, guys going down to Pixar. Room. Yeah, who's going to be in the room? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Find out what projects they've done. So and that's you'll, a fair question too, right? I mean, an inter if if you if if you're an artist and you're looking for a job and you're setting up an interview, it's a fair question to be like, can I ask who's going to be in the room? I mean, sometimes ask, sure. people can be proactive, right? I mean, you yeah. may not be able to get an answer; they might not know. But like, if yeah. you can get an answer, that'd be great because then you could actually do a little homework on that person. Like, yeah. what other well, projects they work on? Absolutely. As a recruiter, Brent, I will send these two people will be interviewing you, and here's their LinkedIn links, so you can go check out who they are, mm -hmm. right? Now, hopefully, there's more comfort for everyone involved, right? Because the client's already seen your resume, so I send the interviewees as well, right? Um, yep. But I, I hope that helps. There's a bunch of stuff. I mean, that, that, that itself could be a whole topic of getting ready for interviews. Yeah. But, and, and, and game studios I applied to, I would go back in the day, I'd rent all their games and play Oh, all yeah. Not a bad idea. As, Familiarize you know, as much yourself. as I could. Because mm -hmm. then, you know, you'd pull up like, hey, the rearview mirror dropped in, um, the, uh, in the second port of that game. Where's that? That was a really cool feature. And yeah, they'd be yeah, like, yeah. have a guy, he played a game. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You yeah, just read a or, review. He actually or, like Yeah, no, it. no. Yeah, exactly. But also go on and read the reviews, right? Because yeah, yeah. you know, uh think of some, you know, very senior game designers. They love it when someone can point out Oh yeah, game. yeah. For Don't sure. pick Definitely. at it, but compliment it, right? Oh, I really yeah. love the way you guys did the secondary animation on the wings of that ghoul in this scene. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The guy's yeah, watching secondary animation. Yeah, what yeah. Hell, right? well, it just shows that you have critical eye too, right? And you're yeah. you're not just sort of looking at it surface uh, surface level. Yeah. Good tips. Okay. okay, so next one we got. Do employers do an in-depth social media research on you when considering you for a position? Some people speak out about the, uh, about controversial topics. Would that be a put-off? How mindful should we be about this? That's a really good okay, question in this question. era of social media. Yeah, so it depends on who's interviewing you. Some of them have time to do that. Some don't. Um, I've literally had uh, out of like six recruiters reporting into me. I remember one running down and going, you got to look at this person's blog. <laughs> I'm like, do I? And she said, oh, hell yeah. 
You really have to look at this person's blog. This person should not be in the building. They shouldn't be in a supermarket. They shouldn't be around other people ever again, right? So, oh my God. And when I read that blog, I'm like, yeah, that was a good call. Uh, but normally we don't have time to read all this stuff. Yeah. I don't know if she had a minute over coffee or lunch. And she was like, oh my God, we got like a uniform. I have a red flag. Right? Yeah. And, Do they shoot and, up flares when this happens? Is there like a special alarm that goes off in the office? There should the be. Executive level? There should be. There should be. Yeah. You know, code Stop red. We got a code offers. red recruiting. Anyways, yeah. look, it, it boils down to some studios have the time and resources to do that. Some do not, right? Yeah. Um, and so generally, I used to tell people a lot, you know, LinkedIn is like Facebook without the puke photos. That was my line a lot. Like, just <laughs> keep your LinkedIn for business. Yeah. Uh, you know, and some people will tell you Facebook accounts and other social media use a pseudonym, right? Don't use your actual name. Mm. Uh, to create a little distance, yeah, uh, because it is a world right now. I think well, where we've got too much information and too yeah. much transparency. But I mean, so also just like don't don't be an ass. You know what I mean online. Like because I'm sorry, but if you're like if you're worried about the stuff you're posting online, I I get it. Sometimes it can be very polarized, especially take a look at the states and the polarization that's happened there between Republican thinking and Democratic thinking. It is like a freaking war that's brewing down there with just how different these, those attitudes are. And so right. it's hard to say like that just being pro someone, some, you know, somebody who was an, you know, now an ex-president and pro the new president, just that alone could be controversial enough and for some people to be turned off. So it's right. like, where do you draw the line, I guess? And you just, you're going to have to kind of make your own, you know, decision, I guess, on that, where you want. But I think you should be careful what you say, but you know, yeah. if you're, you know, but at the same time, don't, ed don't edit yourself. Like, to the point where you don't feel like you're allowed to say anything. I don't know. It's you know, but... here's the thing. It depends on the studio. And I think it depends more as you rise up through more and more senior ranks. Yeah, for sure. Because for sure. executives take this stuff very seriously. And they're afraid, you know, their client, yeah, whoever it happens to be, would be quite concerned that Absolutely. we've got some crazy person on the crew who Absolutely. is a whatever um, and they don't think that represents their brand very well in the marketplace. So, Absolutely. You know, but again, I, I think at a junior level, say, less important at a senior level, much more important. Yeah. And I would say that this is not just for even hiring. It's also just like if you have a job and you're like a professional, take a look at what happens now these days when, yeah. you know, you say some pretty outrageous things online. Next thing you know, you're no longer on a freaking television show. I mean, we right. all heard about what happened with the Mandalorian um, and uh, I can't remember her name, um, but yeah. um, she was she was playing kind of a key role on that, 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 that show. And yeah. uh, she was politely or maybe I don't know, maybe not so politely asked to, to, to leave. And, yeah. and that, and, you know, it, it, the world, you know, it erupts in chaos because of that. But I mean, it, it's that it's that question, right? Where's your comfort yeah. line? Or, and just be careful with what you say. They don't you don't want to be in a weird spot. OK, next one. I know we're making rapid fire here. Um, how do you? Oh, wait, did I already bring it up? Oh, I did already. Do employers? Oh, no, I, not, I haven't brought that one up. Sorry, my bad. I'm all confused here. No, that, that, that question on screen is the one we just did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Exactly. So we got this one here. How do you get promoted to a supervisor position? <laughs> wow, that's a... You guys can answer question. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so look here, I'll give you a couple of examples, right? Um, I worked with uh, one supervisor who um, was uh, originally a modeler, then he became like an asset supervisor uh, or modeling soup first, modeling lead. Uh, you know, and he worked his way up and eventually CG soup, but now he's working on huge movies. Um, but it was a process and it took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And um, he and I used to go to colleges and answer this exact question and other ones. And his words were always be prolific. 
Oh. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, he's already thought about this. And he said, look, every time you leave a job, they should go, oh, my God, how are we going to replace that person? Mm. And he said, I want to deliver more than 100%. I want to deliver 100%, but then look, is there somewhere else in here I could be of value to Mm. even another team? And so, and his wife told me he'd come home at two in the morning sometimes and then fire up a piece of software because he wanted to figure out how it worked on like, you know, 4 a.m. Saturday morning. And because by Monday, he wanted to bring it in and go, guys, I think this will help us. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was continually in that mode of serving the people around him. And yeah. he just naturally rose to a point where like, this guy is Mr. Fix-It. He is Mr. Helpful. He is Mr. And he also had a teaching background. So he would, in the morning, uh, usually around 9.30, do a half-hour teaching thing up in the lounge for anyone that wanted to join, even from other departments. Hey, I'm volunteering 30 minutes a day for this on Mondays, as an example, or on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. right? And people in the studio started to notice, oh, my God, this guy's just, like, giving it. Like, you know, here, I've got more, I've got more, I've got more, right? Good yeah. question. Let's find out the answer together, stuff like that, right? Good team mm-hmm. dynamic skills, right? Another um, uh, fellow I worked with for many years who was a director – um he always reminded me he said this is a team sport so think of team sports who becomes the captain who becomes the you know if it's hockey the left winger the right winger yeah they have skill but they're also using their head they're thinking about the game and you know imagining how the game dynamics work so i think in the studio it's that thing where can i add value right if if it's that person that arrives late every day and leaves early every day never going to be a soup right um, if it's a person that complains all the time, never going to be a soup, right? Um, and because the last thing you want is a supervisor then going, oh, my God, I hate this place. Man, yeah, exactly. Know, you know, how's that going to motivate a team, right? So there's Unfortunately, I've seen lots of supervisors who are guilty of this. but Oh, absolutely, right? And I, I always tell them, like, if it's that bad, get out of here because you're mm-hmm. poisoning the well for everyone around you, right? Yeah, if it was time to leave six months ago, what are you still doing here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had to have the big boy pants talk with a few people and just say, <laughs> this is not cool. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. You're working here. We're paying you, and you're dragging your ass in like Eeyore every day. And I, these five other people are Tigger, and there's yeah. Winnie the Pooh. What are you? Yeah. Get out. Get out. You know, I really, find something to do. Go, go, I, go sell coffee for a couple of weeks. See how that I, feels. Exactly. Maybe maybe just need a little bit of perspective. I, I One thing that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of latching onto with what you just said there is uh, that the, the idea that are you – thinking the big picture are you are you thinking about the, the game itself or are you just you thinking about your you know are you only worried about putting the your, the ball in the net or are you worried about the team winning the team. and the, this is the big difference i think and i think that yeah. you know from my perspective the people who should be chosen as supervisors are the ones who are more concerned about the bigger picture they're always had they're always worried about their team and taking care of them not in the way that they sandbag so i've seen some supervisors do that where they just sort of defend their team right, as right. opposed to provide winning conditions for their team two very right. different scenarios. And, okay. and again, a lot of these questions are going to have multiple answers. So oh, yeah, I think yeah, let's sure. take all of this with a grain of salt. You know, there are definitely going to be studios where um, there's no one around to be the supervisor and someone gets promoted because they're that person that had the most right of skills and was in the right place, right time. It happens. It happens. It happens. Right. Absolutely. So things to think about. So this question came up in chat from um, our friend Petter. Um, it is how are job gaps on a resume perceived? Say like a two year two uh, sorry a year or two between jobs. I've heard that they are sort of a red flag because it gives off the idea that quote unquote did this person struggle to find a job because there's nothing uh, there's something off with them end quote. So basically, yeah. is this a good thing? Lots of different jobs or a bad thing? Lots of different jobs. 
Oh, Brent, I could tell a lot of stories. We don't have much time. (laughs) (laughs) I literally hired someone in Alberta many, many years ago who had job gaps because she'd had two children. And so she took time off to raise her kids. Sure, as she should. Right. Meanwhile, in another office, uh, we had someone almost identical who had claimed the same story, but she had been in jail those two time periods. Oh, boy. Com- so yeah, I got completely a different story, right? Completely different one's story. making a sacrifice of her career to take care of her family, right, which is right. absolutely should be her choice um, yeah. if she chose to do so. Um, and the other one is obviously a little bit more of a red flag. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so look, so I, I think no matter yeah. what it is, you have to have the information to cover the gaps. People are going to make up their own mind when they see those gaps. Um, but, you know, I would cover it in the cover letter with whatever you were doing during those. I, you know, I took a sabbatical. I went, you know, to, to travel Europe and Asia for six months and it was amazing. Okay. And I'd come so, back like, you know, so whatever it is, you can handle it. Um, but you put that on your resume? Like, do you, like, so I in might, other words, if you feel like you can fill it, in those gaps, make sure that you fill them in some way, like where there's some sort of answer to that question mark that people are naturally going to have when they see the gap? Yeah, you could put a gap sabbatical, travel to Asia for three months, yeah. backpacking, yeah. whatever. I'm like, oh, now yeah. I get what the gap's about, right? Yeah. Or you can take a police database for criminal right, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, oh, a lot of these things are very subjective. Studios will make up their own mind. People, you know, people read into things all the time, right? So um, it, it, it's it's there's no perfect answer for that. But I, I think if it's asked in an interview, let's get, you know, dial us into brass text. Someone's in an interview and said, what did you do between then and that? Mm-hmm. Well, I was, uh, you know, applying at a bunch of places and just yeah. didn't get in for a while. So, you know, yeah. don't, don't make something up. I would find yeah. that sort of challenging because it's a small industry and people talk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're really struggling to find a job. But so. Then I asked yeah. them, what did you do at the time? Well, I redid my resume. I yeah. polished up some stuff on my reel. I went back to some of the stuff that needed yeah, uh, a little it. love. That's and it. I got prepped for the big game again. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you could turn that question into a win, turn, actually. Exactly. Right. And, you know, and I, I don't know, mentor some junior, whatever it is that you, but basically it's, it's one of those things where you should be able to talk about it and not go, uh, I, uh, don't do that. Right. Whatever that gap is, be prepared to answer it. Right. It's exactly. literally like, you are asking for, I, I'll, I'm trying to not draw analogies, but anyway, let's get on the next question. I hope that helps. <laughs> well, I, this, is, this is hard. This is hard. I know it's, it's, I feel bad that I'm trying to turn this into like this factory of, of like answers. It's, yeah. but it's just like, we have a lot and like people are dying. And <laughs> some of these came up in past interviews and David and I yeah. took a crack at some of these. And yeah. I don't know if we did a good job. It's just fun to get like the official stance from someone who does well, a job like this for a living. But I, I, tru- I truly, I always say like, you know, lawyers would all say it depends, you know, and yeah. that's their standard reply to a lot of yeah. this stuff. And it does depend yeah. on the studio and the people involved more than anything. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. But I, I think we're gleaning yeah. a lot of light out of these, these answers. So I it's, hope so. Uh, I'm yeah, well, it comical too. I hope I hope everyone's not taking me literally, and you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's this part of this that is, is is really important, and we are treating it lightly. But in some very serious, um, you know, instances, you want to be prepared for these questions, for tough questions. You want to be agree. able to answer them, totally. and and as I go back to dress rehearse these ahead mm-hmm. of time so that you're not going. I should have, would have, not yeah, someone. It. Don't do that, right? Yeah. It's 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 uh. You know, Especially you want to be ready for the date. You want to have your... Exactly. And it, you, know. you know yourself too, right? Some people are, are really good on their feet and they don't look yeah. like they're awkwardly pausing and looking yeah. for some, like a suspiciously looking for a, a good fill-in answer as opposed yeah. to some some people really require to like pre-think their answers so that yeah. they actually kind of, yeah, oh, wow. Because some of these questions you might not actually know the answer to. And I think you should if you're going right. in an interview yeah. because 
they're going to want to know. And so, yes, it's, it's a smart idea. I, I like the idea I, of mock interviews. Brent, I had one the other day, a senior executive, like literally running a huge studio, um, got displaced during COVID last year. And then she decided, well, I've got enough of a package here. I'm going to take the rest of the year off and do something I've always wanted to do, which is unrelated to what I'm doing. Awesome. And and that's her story. I'm like, what did you yep. do last eight months? And she said, I did the following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, None of that is what wow. you've done for the last 20 years of your life. And she said, yeah. Exactly. And now I'm refreshed. Yeah, now yeah. I'm ready to go back. Yeah. yeah. Now I can do yeah. this again. But she said, Absolutely. beginning of COVID, I was burnt out, rocked to yeah. my core. I couldn't do yeah. it. And yeah, so she yeah. said, mentally, physically, it was a good thing to do. I feel fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. She, she, and the right company is going to be like, that's awesome. We're, we're catching her after a, uh, yeah. like an actual, She's like a breath of go. fresh air that's come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Next you know, yeah. I've heard about artists getting back blacklisted. What's that all about? Well, I'll tell you anyone that, anyone that does these, uh, let's see it. Let's see it. Lance. I know right you got away. it on you. Let's see your black book. Let's see it. There it is. Here it comes. Hold on. Every recruiter Hold on. has one. There it is. That's the, that's the, <laughs> <laughs> the legendary black book. It's like the Necronomicon. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it is very funny. That's a great question. So I don't think anyone has an official black list. It'd be great if someone made one and then published it and we could all subscribe to it. Um, but I think people individually make their By the way, you made people nervous in chat as they, they were measuring the thickness of the book. <laughs> oh. They're like, oh, my God, I might be in there. There's a lot of space yeah. in there. It's way too thick. Oh, my God, I'm so nervous. Never, Never applying to a job ever again. Yeah, I've got multiple ones. Um, oh, geez. So, so no, no, what does that look, mean? we're joking. But look, look, it does happen. Uh, and I'll give you a couple examples. Um, a fellow I know, very talented, um, working on a huge feature film many years ago, got in a huge tussle with the management. Mm. I need another 50 people to produce this show on time. Mm. It's not going to happen without it. Yada, yada, yada. Argued with them for 18 months on a big feature film. Argue, 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 argue. I know. And finally, at his wit's end, he bailed. He left. And his apartment was near the end of the movie, and it was just ramping up when he left. So he is in their black book, yeah, the people that be, made that yeah. movie. They're sure. like, we'd never hire that guy. We came in right into the crux of when he was going to shine, and he bailed. And about three months after he left, they did hire 100 people, not 50 that he wanted. They hired 100. So he was right, and they were eventually going to give him the people Anyways, long story short, we tried to hire him on a few projects and the word was out. They're like, no, no, oh, that no. guy bailed, that guy bailed, that guy bailed. So hmm. I didn't put him in a black book. Someone else did. And my client at the time said, we're not going to hire him because word on the street, not cool. He broke at a critical time in the project. Hmm. Um, so they do happen, right? Um, I can think of a few people I've met in my career who are very challenging in the workplace, very difficult to manage. And so if someone wants to work with them, I say, you know, if you've got a supervisor who has time to manage this challenging personality, then, you know, it's, it's your choice. If you don't, I'm telling you, and I've, I've been on a cruise where we've done a ton of hiring and we're six weeks into a big VFX movie and one of the soups comes running into my office, closes the door and goes, how could you hire her? She's crazy. Like she's freaking out, right? And I'm like, hold on, we already had the conversation. So-and-so is going to monitor her and stay on top of her. It's okay, yeah. right? And, you know, it's it's one of those things where there's an internal conversation. We understand the risk, the value. We've had other ones. You know, there's, there's so many stories I could tell, but I, I don't want to tell stories. But it is one of those things that happens, right? It's it's It feels to me like we're in high school 
and you know certain kids get along with other kids and some kids don't play with that clique and get you know clique is a good yeah. word you can get these cliques yeah. blacklist oh. there's no official blacklist no one publishes it everyone makes up their own official tiny blacklist of the five people, people that piss them off yeah, yeah people talk yeah. right so, uh, i'm just curious in your experience on top of your mind what would be a couple thing that employees could do that would be on the blacklist for most studio out there yeah so that's a good question for for me uh, personally ghosting you know not taking things seriously not calling in when they're supposed to be missing meetings i hate when people are late for meetings you know all the rest of us got our time come on those are little things though right um i think it's accountability for a lot of people if you're a supervisor and you've got two weak links out of 10 on your team now they become you have to manage them more than the others right So they're not showing up or they're not, they're showing up, but they're not ready when they arrive. Things like that, right? You you need as a supervisor, as a lead, as you need to be able to count on your team. You need to know that they're prepared, right? At any point in time, they're on top of what they're doing. If they're constantly looking at you going, I I'm not sure, I don't know. You're thinking, why didn't you come to me a week ago when you knew you were un unsure about this? Like, mm. why did you let this fester for a week? Do I have to micromanage you? I don't want to micromanage you, but I also don't want to be unprepared when we come to a deadline and you go, I wasn't really sure what you were meant a few weeks ago. <laughs> ah, you know what I mean? So that's why we do dailies. It's why we do these kind of constant check-ins with people. Um, but, you know, I've seen people who are just a little bit out to lunch sometimes. They really consistently fail to interpret the room around them and the crew and the team and the spirit of what's going on. And, you know, those will be challenging people to work with. So, again, if you've got someone who says, no, no, I'll take them on as a project, and I've had that. I've had department heads who go, I like this person's fighting spirit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. well, he swears a lot. Yeah, yeah, but he's actually quite smart. If you can get past profanity, he's really quite talented, right? So it depends on who the soup is in the area or the leads, uh, you know, because, again, it's a creative industry. We have lots of funny people and characters and – You know, I, I've said it many times, we don't work at a bank. This wouldn't fly at an insurance firm. You know, it's not that kind of environment, right? And quite frankly, I truly believe some, some antics and some friction in the workplace probably creates a better product some days hmm. because these outside box thinkers are what we need in a creative environment, right? Like none of us are in accounting for a reason, you know. Nothing against accounting. Don't get me wrong. Don't have all his accountants writing in letters. What do you say? You know, what I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm offended on behalf of all accountants right now. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But, you know, you know, Brent, Brent, you and I work together, and there was all sorts of zany stuff going on. And I think that's the benefit. You know, Nerf Wars break out, all sorts of funny stuff. I can remember doing the Olympics in the studio where we had <laughs> you know, crazy games because we were in between projects. But, I mean, I think that is part of the benefit of working in a game studio or an animation studio. We should have fun. Right. I agree. Um, I agree. So I hope that helps. I hope that. Uh, I I mean, it, it always boils down to don't be a dick, in my opinion. Like be <laughs> be a good right. person, and do your best I, to not leave a company totally high and dry when they need you the most is usually not a good decision to make. Yeah. Even if even if you've been mistreated, even if you are like you have all the right in the world to leave because they just you know you, you got to be careful, right? Yeah, you gotta be careful. Okay, right. so oh, what were you gonna say, Dave? Oh yeah, uh, another one. We have 15 more minutes. Oh, okay, let's, let's right. try to crank a few more David, questions. David, David, the slave driver. Okay, here I we go. I just got... want to squeeze all the juice. That we it's have all left. good. Let's get all that juice. Um, um, this one we'll we'll spend just two seconds on it because I thought okay. it was cute. And I have a question here 
from Lavis Shop Show Pop. How are you, Lance? How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking. <laughs> okay, good. Very good. Question. Here, See, that was a good one. I checked the one off the list real fast, Dave. No problem. Yeah. Okay, here comes another one. I'm glad buffet. you're doing well, by the way. Um, let's see. Uh, how about this one here? Oh, wait, where did it go? Um, it was right. There it is. Here's a good one. I like this one. This one people always want to know because people know that recruiters are often in a position to kind of pre-filter demo reels naturally um, as part of the job. And I guess yeah. their question here is to try to boil down in your mind, personally speaking, is yeah. there like some sort of metric that like are there things and elements that help sort of get you to watch something beyond the five second mark? Like, is there, sure. what, what is that bar? Sure. So, um, this one also very subjective. Cause I, I can tell you, I was staffing a movie, I don't know, 2009, I think it was, pardon me. And, um, we had Disney execs in the room. We had two directors. We had a studio director. We had like eight people watching reels and then marking them, you know, out of 10 and <clears throat> marking performance and, marking dynamics and and uh, <laughs> across the room there's no cohesive scores it was all over the map right and and I found that really funny so I asked the executive producer what do we do because basically I just got a dog's breakfast served here at eight people all disagreeing well I think the cherry should have been on the ice cream there well I didn't even look at the ice cream well I saw the character in the back dancing and that looked ridiculous you know this sort of thing right mm -hmm. and everyone sort of like also, was like it was early, and they were trying to claim turf. I'm better at reading reels than you are. Mm. So I asked the executive producer after the meeting, "What do I do?" And he said, "Give them two weeks. Give them the same uh, reels, but don't show them their scorecards. Put them back in the room again. Now I want you to look at the data after that second meeting." Because he said, two weeks mm. from now, some of them will like each other, <laughs> and and they won't be fighting." So again, very subjective. I guess my point is very subjective. Yeah, yeah. But here's yeah. the thing. Um, I'll give you a few pointers. If music is not relevant to what you're doing, don't put any music on it, right? I can't tell you how many times I've seen a supervisor or an animation director or somebody just go on the volume, go, what the hell? Why were they thinking Tchaikovsky? What the, you know, but they're actually pissed off now, right? Or like some thrash metal because somehow this is going to be good for this scene, right? And so, and I find people obsessed sometimes. Oh, I've got to pick the right track for this. The right audio is going to be amazing, right? No, no. If, if it's and meanwhile, if it's no one's really at, even listening with the volume on. They're just like right, watching. Right, it. Yeah. right. So it's it's funny. Now, however, if you're trying to be a director and a composer, you know, of course, then that's your demo reel, right? Uh, if there's some scene where this light music is lifting up the butterfly and that's critical for telling the story, and you're a director, well, of course, the audio is very important, right? But if this is a modeling reel, uh, a rigging reel, just turn the damn music off, right? No one's yeah, looking yeah, totally. at that. They didn't come and figure out what, what, you know. So that's my one pointer. The second one is always lead with the strongest piece, whatever it is, you know. And 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 if you can't figure it out, pick your top two and make the other one number two. But basically, the elevator door is open. If there's crap in the elevator, the door is closed and someone walks away. If the elevator door is open and something really wow in there, they you're going to hold the doors for a second to look yeah. at it, right? So basically. <laughs> The most important thing is to lead with your absolutely best thing. And I'll tell yeah, you, yeah. there's a guy that did a, a million years ago um, a modeling reel. And I remember it was a, a junky kind of like a, an old Ford Model T or Model A or something, you know, in the early 1900s car or truck. But instead of doing the standard turntable, which everyone does on modeling reels, he animated this little clip where it falls from the sky 
and it hits the ground and everything, because it's an old jalopy, everything shook for a second. And then the turntable started. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, that guy yeah. got me with that. It was like a three-second yeah. drop. And I'm like, whoo, right? Because I don't see that every day, right? <laughs> and, and so, yeah. and like a simple trick, and it probably didn't take him very long, but I was like, there you oh, go. That, that was clever. That was sneaky, right? The yeah. guy got me, right? So, you know, the other thing, I can remember a demo reel a million years ago, two students made in college. And it was at Suda when we were there. And I was with Derek, uh, and we were looking at it, and we were like, we almost fell out of the chair. It was so good. It didn't look like a student reel. Mm. How is it that all these student reels are coming in around the same sort of Yeah, and there's outliers level, every once in a while. And one of them is like, oh, like, you know, like I was, I was, we were stuck. And we were racing to the phone, like, oh, my God, call these kids before Do you remember what them. it was specifically that, like, yeah, right away, yeah. like, how far into the reel that you were like, oh, this is different? Yeah, they had taken a scene from uh, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. And they basically recreated it, including a tank busting through a brick wall. And then they'd mocapped a couple soldiers. They're a little crazy looking. It wasn't perfect mocap, but it was the scene was so well detailed the surfacing, the set. And what it was was two students worked on it together because they realized separately we're not going to produce a good demo reel. So one guy said, I'll do the animating, you do the modeling. And when they got tired, they would switch off. Mm -hmm. So they they learned a ton building one demo reel together. And then they had a breakout sheet to show, like, so-and-so did this, I did this, I did that. Right. And here's the kicker, too. When they sent it in, they also sent in a scrapbook. <laughs> oh, wow. That looked like it was from World War II. And wow. they had composited their heads into old photos wow. of all the soldiers. You're real. They were just like... We we're like, can we keep the scrapbook? And the one guy yeah, said, yeah. Oh, seventy-five bucks. <laughs> Limited edition. It. It, it's, like, it's funny because I've often said that if you overpackage it, like that, that demo right, might right. had to be good. Otherwise, people have been like, "Well, you, you wasted all your time yeah. on the freaking packaging. You should have actually put some more time in the actual reel itself." Yeah, yeah but you know, here, the kicker for us was, you know, are you guys just uh, World War II fanatics? That was one of the questions. Oh yeah, did. sure, absolutely. Because I said yeah. we're not doing any World War II stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Are you going to be interested you, in something else? Yeah. And they were like, you know what? After producing that demo reel, we don't want to see Saving Private Ryan ever again. <laughs> there you go. Like, Good answer. We don't want to Good see answer. any of this shit. And yeah. so the other thing was just, you know, um, uh, how hard did you work to get the demo reel? Yeah, demo that's reel? it. Like, you know, yeah. They said that's night it. and day, night and day for months. Yeah. And we said, well, look, you're in a studio. You're probably going to work harder. Are yeah. you up for it? And they were like, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, actually, the whole goal was to get into a studio. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they were like, we're prepared to work hard, you know. And, and so it was just interesting because we were afraid that, you know, yeah, this is it. the this is we we, we hit our, our swan song. This is our, our, yeah, our, yeah, yeah. our ode to the industry was I, I do like bill. the I'd like the idea of, of there being this sort of trying to think outside the box and have something fresh, like the example of a car falling down. Cause it's like something that probably, like you said, probably didn't take a lot more time, but something that is yeah. unexpected. That's going to catch, especially a recruiter's attention. Cause they know right away, they see so many in a day. It's like a breath of fresh air when something new shows up and it's more likely that's going to get passed along to the uh, supervisor. Probably. Yeah. I got another question here from, um, um, go hollow, go hollow, yo, go hollow. Uh, whatever I can't do it, but this came up before in conversation. I think it's a really interesting topic. It's sad that it came up now at the very end of our chat because I think it uh, we could e very easily dive really deep into it. But basically, the question is: Do mental health issues ever enter the conversation with a potential recruit? Are there certain contract conditions people with mental health issues can ask for when applying for a job, like sure. people with like anxiety issues, for instance, um, agoraphobia, like things like that are very real and doesn't stop them from being a very, very useful part of the a member of the team, yeah. but does need to probably be accounted for. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in the HR world, we would, you know, look at <clears throat> accommodations as the, the legal term, right? Right. Do they need um, any special supports to get the job done, basically, right? So, um, and, and if it's something that's very critical to the individual, I hope they are able to bring it up in the interview and say, you know, just heads up, I need this to get my job done properly, or I have this anxiety or whatever it is, um, you know, I'm just letting you know. Because I truly believe, I'd like to believe that the studio is hiring them for, you know, the skills and part of the team and doing the work and so on. But I think um, that's exactly the deal is that if it's, if it's something that's going to impact their work, um, it's probably better that they bring it up ahead of time yeah. and see, because they want to be comfortable too, right? Whoever this individual yep. is, they want to be comfortable in the work environment to say, hey, I've noticed this about this, or I've been diagnosed with this thing. And so I just want to make sure we're all cool with that. And, you know, here's how I, you know, um, here's how I perform. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really up to the individual, you know, what they want to disclose. Um, I'll tell you probably larger companies, hopefully, and mid-sized companies. You know, I'm not even going to say that. It depends on the individuals, really, back to who's mm -hmm. interviewing and, and how they're going to work with you and, yeah. and so on. So it's, it's a very good question. You know? Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Because I mean, I can imagine like being in a situation where you want to be proactive and you want to say these things because you're you're taking ownership of who you are and the conditions you need to be able to do a good job. Because I mean, there's no point taking a job unless you feel like you're in the position to do a good job, because otherwise, why would you want to do that to yourself? And so naturally, people that are in these kind of situations um, have no choice but to be very, very careful um, with this, sure. but also it's, it's still, there's all, still a lot of unfortunate um, what's the word I'm looking for stigma around mental sure. health. Yep. And it can be, so it can be quite terrifying. I'm sure to come to, to, to address it in an interview yeah. for fear of being passed by because yeah. no one wants to deal with the extra hassle, quote unquote, you know what I mean? So I can totally yeah. get where, which is sad because if you have anxiety to begin with, this is just adding more to that fire right. of the anxiety yeah. of trying to actually come out and deal, be proactive. So society, you know, the, these, the settings aren't exactly conducive to this. So I'm just wondering in your experience working for different companies, are some companies much better, better at handling this? Um, because it, like, again, it's one thing to get handled, getting proper support while you already have a job and being accommodated for, but it's a whole other thing to be like, to, to be able to disarm someone and feel like they can talk about these things during an interview. Like, yeah. is, is it depending on the company too? Like do, do companies think, have more aggressive, like, you know, policies to help people in these yeah. kind of scenarios to make them feel not so nervous? Yeah. You, you've seen what's going on with Blizzard lately. What specifically? I, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on at Blizzard right now, but yeah, well, I mean, there's all sorts of things where you know the culture, whatever it happens to be, has been seen as yeah um, dismissive and and um, you know I think I saw the term frat boy culture and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's and, what I that that's the article I had read too. Yeah, yeah, and and so you know those would be huge red flags if anyone was applying because clearly uh, you know and they're doing it. It looks like they're rectifying it and trying to make all sorts of good measures now, but it's gone to the point where you know they're in a lawsuit. Um, so there's a perfect example of probably a bad culture to, you know, work yeah. in, uh, no matter who you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, if they can't get the basics down, they're just, you know, really going to probably be a challenge in all sorts of areas. Yeah. So, so that, 
Yeah, that kind of speaks to you having some responsibility and doing a little homework on the company you're applying to as well. So like you should feel like maybe hopefully you have know enough about that company that you feel like you could say these things in an interview and they would take them seriously as opposed to other other places that are not known for that kind of level of sensitivity. Maybe maybe you have to be, you know, tread lightly, you know, and maybe not maybe why and why would you want to even work at a company that is not exactly known for its its uh its uh you know its acceptance of people that are not frat boys, quote unquote. I mean I think, I mean, I, and I'm not, and I'm not certainly saying, I'm not trying to suggest that that's the way it is, but over there, Blizzard, because I know a lot of people are there that love it there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, we'll see what happens with that conversation moving forward. Um, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting no, I know they're getting, they're getting tons of press right now. And uh, I was looking at an article on Gamma Sutra this morning. They've got several articles, you know, and, yeah. and Ubisoft went through a, a couple they sure years did. ago now. Um, so it, it, it is one of those, you know, the sea of change is, is, is rolling right now. So, absolutely. but, but, you know, to answer that question, I, I really think, you know, to your point, if you can do some homework, if you know some people that work there, um, I'm always hesitant to say, look at Glassdoor reviews because usually people are quite angry going Glassdoor yeah, yeah. and pound it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so you kind of have to take some of that with a grain of salt, but yeah, yeah. even in there, you can find some things like this was working well and this wasn't working well and so on. Mm-hmm. So doing a little research, I think I saw a stat a couple of years ago that said the average potential employee has about, I think it was something like 16 to 20 different sources they can look at to review a company. Like there's that much data online nowadays that, you know, when someone comes in for an interview, if they've done their homework, they probably know a lot about the company. Yeah. They potentially can know an awful lot, right? For sure, for um, sure. So it's it's something for a lot of companies to consider as well, you know, managing yep. their, their profile out there in the marketplace. Well, that's, that's I mean, like that's kind of what everyone can hope for, right? Is that this equalizes things in, in, in both directions a little bit. David, we're, uh, we're at four o'clock. Um, I know that uh, there there are some more questions in the back. We did a pretty good job, actually. Uh, there's some of them were kind of duplicate, in my opinion, but is there something in there? Like, do you have time for just a couple more, uh, Lance? I've got go? time. Yeah, I've got okay. a bit of time. So don't worry. I mean, if you've got some questions you want to cut through, let's yeah, through. I'm gonna let David see if he wants to handpick some because I've been the one picking them all. Uh, well, actually, where are we at with the? Well, I got. Yeah, I wasn't checking them off. I was being lazy. I did this one. Yeah, this one repeats itself a little bit. Do you guys want to talk about that whole work from home tax credit thing or no? Oh yeah, well yeah, we could do that. Yeah, so just a small ripple. I think we chatted about it probably in the past, but basically, a lot of tax credits. There's federal tax credits and provincial tax credits. Uh, at least in Canada and the states, there's different setups, but uh, quite frankly, the government would uh, put tax credits up for a steel plant or an auto plant or, you know, studios. Um, And they're different from animation to video games. Um, And, um, and so, so primarily the, the tax credit is based on the idea that if you keep the people local in the province, they will pay rent and buy coffee and Ubers and all that stuff. And some of the revenue of that goes back into the system, right? So there's, it's, it's basically on uh, income taxes is what this whole system's based on. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is when, you know, someone's out of province, the studio doesn't get that same amount of credit or they might lose the credit completely, right? So it's why sometimes they'll say, well, that person's in BC, unless we relocate them, um, we can't really hire them right? Because we're going to lose 30% on the credit or something like that, as an example. So if you're moving around from province to province, there's 
sometimes some hesitancy to hire you because the studio said, well, this, this is going to hit our budget, right? Mm. Or um, a lot of them uh, look at the year you worked previously, where were you located? I.e. you were in Ontario to the end of 2020. Therefore, any studio in Ontario could get the credit for you because you're, an Ontario, you're seen as an Ontario resident. Oh, interesting. Just because okay. you resided there before for long enough. Yes. So they say the last calendar year, this person was in Ontario, so I can apply for the credit for this position. Now, if you just come from BC and it's January, as an example, and you're moving to Ontario, the studio's like, oh, man, we're not going to get the credit for the whole year because they, they were in BC last year. Mm. However, here's the ripple. If it was, let's say, October, generally speaking, I'm putting some ballpark on this. If it was October or near the end of the year, the studio is going to lose the credit for October, November, December, but be able to apply for January and forward because you're now a resident of the province. So you might see sometimes a trend in studios hiring people in the last quarter to get them flown into BC or flown into Montreal or flown in Ontario, wherever it is, mm -hmm. because they know if I get this person registered and get them an OHIP card or whatever the you know BC health card or Quebec card, and I get them an address and I get them a hydro bill and I get them a rent. I can prove they're actually in the province, right? Literally, no joke. Sometimes they ask for that. Can we see a it hydro like, bill? It sounds like a perk. If <laughs> it sounds like the recruiting department can do all that work for me. That's great. Get, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, yeah. it's 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 uh, something that uh, some people have often question because they've been off like at Weta shooting a movie and they're yeah. trying to get back to Ontario. And I'm like, dude, timing's just not right. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, uh, they're like, but I'm born in Canada. I'm like, yeah, but you've been out of, out of the country for like two years. So they put you so, back uh, in this weird bucket of not resident, not local. Uh, I have a more general question about the uh, tax credit because, you know, uh, studio, uh, uh, obviously the tax credit is allowing them to have a, you know, refund on the uh, um, employees that they're hiring locally. Yeah. Uh, moving in a world that, you know, outsourcing, freelancing, having employees in other country and all that is going to become more... I don't want to say the norm, there'll be a little bit of everything, but it's now an option that most of studio open their eyes uh, to. Uh, they used to have an option that, well, I can hire locally, so I'll have this 37% of whatever, or yeah. I can also work with this super talented artist that lives in a country where the cost of living is lower and the currency is lower as well. Right. So I actually, that's way more than 37 percent so i don't have right. the incentives anymore to run after those tax credits and the right. second part sorry it's a long question but if assuming that the tax credit will be less and less relevant doesn't mean that montreal vancouver canada oh, in general right. and a few uh -oh. cities in the europe are going to lose all of their competitive edge to have so, the studio come on so pump the brakes my friend pump the brakes <laughs> <laughs> So all you have to do is ask some of the big VFX studios how that's working right now. Because, and I've been at many of them where we've got, you know, a thousand or 1200 or 15 people in India and we've got another 500 in China and so on. And on paper, exactly to your point. Um, and I remember having a very senior um, creative director on a movie saying, I can, he said this, uh, he said, I can get four people in India for what it cost me for one person in Canada. And I said, you're looking at the wrong numbers. You're looking at salary. The throughput is different. The quality mm. is different. The management of that team is different. Um, while the facility over there is cheaper, the labor rates are cheaper, we are redoing about 50% of the shots when they come back to Canada. Mm. 
So now you've got a team here, and we had some going to Los Angeles getting redone before the client saw them. So this false economy is what I was calling it. He didn't like me talking to him like that, but but <laughs> it, it's true. And and here's the other thing. And I just talked to some um, a couple of VF vet shops in uh, in uh, England in the last couple of weeks, and um, they said sometimes a shot comes in and it's fantastic. Comes back from India, they're like, "This is amazing! This is amazing! Who did this? Who did this? Who did this?" Because it's it's standing above the quality of you know sixty seventy percent of the other shots are getting. Something happened. Was it the right day? Was it the right person? Who 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 touched this? Whose hands were on it? And then when they call, they're like, "Oh, that guy just got recruited out of India, out of the service studio, to like Australia, because mm. somebody else found out who was doing really good work." So it's like even they're getting their people are getting recruited out. So they're having right. a talent drain as well. They're For having sure. a challenge, Vacuum. the same challenges we all have, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever's a phenomenal rock star in this industry will get scooped up by somebody if they want For to, sure. and they can, you know, carry on. Right. And yeah. so, you know, back to tax credits, there's still, um, and there's many studios wrestling with this right now. How do we outsource efficiently? How do we outsource economically? How do we outsource yeah. in a way that I'll, I'll give you a couple examples, some studios where we don't do roto here anymore. All the rotoscoping gets done in India. And then eventually it becomes, we don't do any match move. We don't do any, and it starts to creep up to, we don't even do comp here anymore. It all gets done in India. Right. And then I'm managing a studio. This is a few years ago. One of the senior compositors comes in and says, I know I'm not supposed to comp anything anymore, but I just got 50 shots and they look like my child did them. I can't. And he goes on and on and on. He said, the service studio over there is screwing this stuff up and I have to drop what I'm doing. I'm repainting stuff. I'm not even a painter. Right. So this came up. And yeah. so, you know, we're working with the vendor to try and increase the quality level. And then we started sending supervisors over to get their eyes and hands on everything and try to, you know, implement new training and really what it is in some areas their talent market is just like ours it's moving fast people yeah. are poaching so to speak they're moving people around they're offering them an extra you know x number of dollars an hour to come so there's a i think a little bit of a fantasy that this outsourcing thing is going to be perfect the other thing you have an io team now you have four or five angry people ingesting shots every day going, the naming structure is wrong here. They didn't include that. This whole file's not shipped properly. I got to send it back to them and wait 12 hours for a reply because they're now asleep, right? So I'm not saying it's not working. It's working. It just right. is challenging. It's expensive. There's a refinement. There's a loss of time. There's a lag or a latency on some of it. Um, however, many big companies, the multinationals, are trying to figure this out. Because if they can get this right, they will, of course, save bucket loads of money. Yeah, because I mean, if, if it doesn't have to be a compromise, right? If, if they, you can save some money, but also because, I mean, we all know that there's some amazing talent in these countries. Yeah. There's no doubt like, about it. But unfortunately, no some studios are kind of operating in some of these countries are keeping the costs down low intentionally to take the work. But that doesn't necessarily like that sometimes comes at a really big cost, meaning the quality right. of the work is actually not maybe always there is the big question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or again, you know, you, you've got an A team and a B team, and the A team is now busy doing tests for the next thing that came in. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Slide, that, right? I mean, but that, but that even happens here. All the oh time. no, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like I said, yeah. they share the same challenges we share, and quite yeah. frankly, at the end of the day, it's a shortage of very skilled, dedicated yeah. talent. That, that would I no would matter where you are. That's what no I mean. So fo focus on being, focus on your skills and and uh, and uh, make sure that they're up to stuff and you won't get sucked into this problem. Hopefully, I'm wondering. Um, um, 
uh, I have, oh, okay, okay, okay. We got, we got one more question. All we right. got one more question. So let's, uh, do we want the one that's up on the screen here, David? Or is the one uh, yeah, uh, yeah okay. I think it's been up there for a few minutes now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Oh, okay, Mr. Passive Aggressive. We're not going fast enough. Let's, <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's put the Dukes on. Okay, so let's, let's see here. We got, um, what do you expect from a young artist who wants to enter the animation industry, both in terms of skills and other things? Yeah. So like, like you're, is, cause this is a question that's on everyone's mind these days, right? It's like, how do you, like you, you, you want your first job, but like, what is like, what are those minimum expectations? Like, you know, like you're a young artist who wants to enter the industry, but like, it's, it's not always obvious to them. Cause I mean, like one of the classic problems is, is like, you kind of sometimes need a job to get a job and it's like, they right. get caught in that loop. So what are some tips to some of these people that are new, haven't had that job first job yet and they want to break in? Yeah, I, I might be crazy, but I used to volunteer when I was young and I had to break in. I'm like, I'll do that for you for free. I'll do right. that for you for free. You know, and, and you see a whole bunch of, you know, stuff online that says, don't do anything for free. Don't, you know, you just blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, dude, if it's, if it, that's how I get in here, like, you know, I used to do posters for like even charities. You know, mm -hmm. I'll do illustrations for magazines and I do one for free just to see if I could catch them. And mm -hmm. generally I got work out of them. Yeah. So that was my little trick, you know, Hey guys, here's my portfolio. I walked into the store once I redid all the guys, uh, newspaper ads and came <clears> in and said, what do you think of these? He's like, Jesus, what the hell? He's like, do I have to pay for these? I said, you can. He goes, Oh, let's talk. Like someone had taken an interest in his store. It was a bicycle yeah, yeah. store and, and he was selling really expensive bike, uh, you know, high end mountain bike gear. And I did a bunch of creative ads. That guy was freaked out and blown away. Sure. Because I think he was getting his kid sister to do the ads and they were kind of, oh, <laughs> exactly. you know, they were like so, so. Yeah, that's it. Anyways. It, the equivalent of that on an animation reel would probably be doing a little homework in in the company and maybe putting up a, a test on there on your own doing something yeah. that you you whipped up to put a freshen up the reel that feels like it would sure. fit in nicely with the kind of games that a game a company makes or the kind yeah. of movies and the kind of acting that that you would typically see. So like you know just it, it's you do it on your own volition. You put it in the demo reel, but you're kind of hoping that uh, there's a bit of a nod towards a certain studio maybe yeah. in there. Well, I can remember we hired a programmer. He worked at IBM. He was trying not to kill himself. It was like a young fellow that graduated from somewhere out on the prairies and got a job at IBM. And yet he had been building in his lab, uh, like in school, physics simulations. Mm. And now he was doing like database entry or something so terrible at IBM. And we're like, what are you doing? And he showed up in I IGDA meeting, right, in Toronto. Mm. He just showed up. And, and he looked like a guy from IBM. He was like, I think he's wearing a suit with a white shirt and stuff. And we're like, what the hell is this guy doing? Sure enough, he's got all this stuff on a website. We're like, oh, my God, guy's a savant. Like, get him, get him, get him. So it was that sort of thing. Like, his personal projects were actually what we were more interested yeah. in than his yeah, work, yeah. right? Yeah. And I've seen other um, young graduates who go, oh, I don't have time to do all this. So they gather two or three friends and do a short project, like a, sure, a, a like test, effectively yeah. a test, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. somebody gets to be the producer on it. Someone has to be that person. Yeah, and yeah. so we're like, this is really cool. They've actually started to build their own projects with yeah. or without a job, right? Yeah. And so I found that stuff interesting that they're so invested, or an homage to something like, oh, Steven Spielberg, we're going to do some portion of whatever, mm -hmm. or an homage to that studio, right? We, we really yeah. love the work you did on whatever. Um, yeah. a, a quick story we did a short film a million years ago at a studio 
that was like a test with a summer school. I think we had eight students from Seneca or Sheridan, some, some one of the colleges, right? And we put a great animator on it to be the director. And um, we did this little, I don't know, it's maybe three or four minutes. And it looks like an old Hanna-Barbera kind of thing, but it had a clean aesthetic like a Pixar uh, uh, look, like it's very clean, contemporary looking. One character battling to get some cookies off a fridge, right? Uh, we marketed it around the world to kids' film festivals. We were itching to see if the Oscars would so oh, look at that. Um, two guys got jobs at Pixar because they worked on the short. Didn't matter that they'd worked on feature films. <clears throat> they get into the interview, and the Pixar guys are going, tell us about this short film. They're like, what? yeah, you didn't see my shots from the feature film? No, yeah. who cares about that? What about this? Yeah, who directed yeah. this? <laughs> they got a job off of like a passion project from a summer yeah. school thing, right? Yeah, and, and so you couldn't have called that one, right? Um, yep. But anyways, back to your question, well, I, mean, I think it's 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 do the other things, do some extracurricular. Yeah. Um, and if you're sending the same reel in over and over, because people used to do this, here's my reel, here's my reel. Is there anything new on it? Have yeah. you done anything new since the exactly. last time I saw it, right? Because exactly. all you're doing is this didn't work the first time. Is it going to work now? Is it going to yeah, work now? How about now? How about now? So I'd rather have them say, hey, I added something to my reel. You might like it. Oh, what did you add? Yeah. Right? Now yeah. there's a reason, right? Yeah. And you know, it, this comes back to, too, like you were saying prolific, right? Be prolific. It comes back yeah. to that idea. Put yourself out there and do something yeah. that you're going to really enjoy. And we keep, we, we've been hearing from a lot of people over the, over the, over the months talking about building your brand, being prolific is part of that process, right? Is about yeah. making sure you put yourself out there, but you're doing that in order to build a brand. You're putting it out on LinkedIn. You're being, you're, you're, you're always pushing stuff out so people can see it so that um, who knows what can, that could lead to, because uh, you might yeah. be in a conversation and getting a job just out of that total pet project because that was yeah. more interesting some of the professional work you've done well uh, if i could i don't want to keep david because well still. yeah david does have to go <laughs> so go on quick, quick story we're building a movie we have to use end cloth you know this cloth sim nobody in the studio likes it they all hate it and there's like 15 people on the crew who've all used it before but no one put up their hand they're like hey we need someone to do end cloth everyone's like oh, i'm busy you know and so we're scouring the studio because the client was Disney, and Disney said, you're using NCLOT because the CG Soup on our team says we're using NCLOT. Yeah. And everyone's like, dude, there's so many better Sims than NCLOT. Why are we using this? So, like, there's this hatred on the crew, right? Mm -hmm. And the CG Super comes in from Disney, could feel it. He's like, oh, what is wrong with this? So there's one guy on the team, junior guy, can <laughs> barely speak English, right? He, he has this challenge every day communicating with people because English is not his first language. But he sees this opportunity. He goes home at night, every night, on oh, forums. Man. How do I do that? On forums, downloading stuff, downloading, asking questions on forums, right? Within about three weeks, this guy who can struggles with the English language has become the NCLOS specialist in the oh, studio. The Disney, soup, the, the Disney soup is going, this is my guy. I don't For even sure. know how to say his name, but this is my guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? And yeah. so... And shortly after that movie, where does he go? He goes down to another feature film. What of course. is he? The cloth specialist. Of course. He's the of course. Right? His character finally guy, right? And That's so crazy. his career just went, ooh, on that one thing. He didn't take crap from anyone. He just went, <laughs> I'm going to do this, right? I, I, another story of a buddy of mine went down to LA, his first gig in LA, and he's like, I finally get to Los Angeles. I finally get to Los Angeles. And he's got a work visa. He just got an apartment. He's all excited. Six weeks into the project, the client pulls the plug. He's like, this is my in. Now I've got to go back to Canada. Oh, I have no. to find a place. I have to get rid of the lease on my part, all this stuff, right? 
And so he quickly goes and asks another director on another project in the studio, are you guys struggling with something? Is there anything here that's on fire that, that needs a fix? And the guy's like, this animatic here sucks. I need someone to fix this. He's like, what do you need? What do you need? So he basically works like around the clock for like four days and comes back with like, what do you think of this? And the director's yeah. like, holy F and F and F. I need to hire you. Who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm Canadian. And my project just got pulled. <laughs> and they're going to kick me out. I'm going to get deported. Wow. And then he's like, stay here. Don't move. And he goes yeah, to amazing. HR. And then he goes to the senior executives and stuff. And so he said, he said, from that one experience, he said, every studio I'm in now, I try to find that thing yeah. that's unloved or that yeah, really just people are dancing awesome around at it. and be awesome. And he yeah, said, basically, funny. I haven't had to do a reel or a resume in 10 yeah, years. Yeah, well, for sure. Because people are like, that Tra- dude tackles yeah, stuff it. all the time. Well, he well like Petter, Petter was saying, what, these sound like origin stories of like superheroes. <laughs> just because yeah, it was like absolutely. that one moment they stepped up. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Lance, it, it's been awesome having you in here. And I mean, it's uh, it's not every day we get to like pick the brain of somebody who deals with this on a regular. So we will continue piling up the questions and maybe I can toss right. some your way every once in a while. Maybe Chapter two, baby, get, I'm here. Answers. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, Thanks for coming. Thanks for thanks for uh, answering all our you know maybe you know crazy questions, and uh, thanks chat for having all these questions. <laughs> and he's got a gold book now, so the the, the color of books keep. Oh, it was the show. No, it's the, it, it's the, the black light. book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, okay, thanks. Me, no, really. I thought you were manufacturing books off camera there, yeah. and I was like, oh no, yeah, this yeah. guy's got lots of books. So yeah. So thank you, Lance. Thank you, David. We will, uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see you around, Lance, for sure. That, that, for I, I don't even, I don't even want to know what's in that one. I don't even want to. Know. <laughs> Thank you well, very much for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Nice, nice seeing you both, and uh, good luck. And again, um, you know, if people want to reach out on LinkedIn, I'm there uh, yep. all the time. And any other questions, by all means, let me know, and I'd be happy to answer. Them. Perfect. Be careful what you ask for, because you might just be inundated with all of the the the, the, ner- the nervous questions of all these people that wanted to understand the the inner workings of how companies make decisions. But maybe you could shed some light on it. And I think you did a lot today, so thank all you. Right. And I thank will you see both. you. We'll see you around, David. See you around, Lance. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Cheers, Bye, guys. Bye bye. All right. So another conversation with another hour and a half flies by. Actually, it was more than more an hour and fifty minutes. It's uh, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, just like how quickly it goes, especially when you have a lot of questions that have been piling up for quite a few months. So hopefully some of this helped a little bit. I know that Lance was kind of put uh, in a weird spot where you know it's like there is no actual answer to a lot of these questions. It's like it's so situational. Um, but I don't know. I, I, there was definitely some things that came up today that I think that are directly applicable and very actionable. Um, you know, even though a lot of it ended up being common sense, I think there was some sort of, you know, galvanization of some of the things that we probably had inklings of, you know, and I, and it also makes me feel like David and I haven't been lying to you for the last several months. Cause I don't think there was anything that came up today that was like suddenly a complete reversal on our opinions, which, um, I was thankful for. I was a little nervous to be honest with you that he was going to, Lance was going to come and be like, actually, but, um, but yeah, so um, uh, great to have him in. Great to have you here, chat, as usual. Um, and, um, and I will see everyone next week at our regular Tuesday offering of Q&A. We do have a, um, a stream as well. I just want to double check the time on it. 
but um, we have a, 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 like a, an actual conversation as well that week with um, with Richard Lico. Yeah, okay. But it's um, August the 11th, which is the Wednesday, the right day right after our Q&A. And uh, that is happening at 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard. And um, if, if you don't know who Richard Lico is, I really, really highly recommend you show up to this because um, he is a bit of a legend in this industry with his revolutionary way of working. And he's converted a lot of people that have sort of seen the quote unquote light that now really don't know how to even like work any other way because it's just the only way in their mind now. And um, and it's funny because it's not really a way, it's more of like an open-mindedness to your approaching animation and being a little bit more, um, um, less reliant on a specific rig and more reliant on your understanding and how things move and the kind of some of the basic concepts behind movable characters in 3d and how you can use that simple concept and reconstruct it and unpack it in different ways that sort of serve you and kind of directly answer the particular problem you're trying to solve at that given moment when animating so these animation workflow sort of kind of it's very very it mutates a lot and I, I find that really interesting so if you've you, you might want to prepare before that and maybe just check out maybe some of his videos that are that you can find online just to sort of prepare your mind because i think that this would be an, an, an interesting opportunity to be able to you know pick his brain a little bit you might you know take a look at some of the, his his videos and maybe have some questions um on his philosophy to animation um it, it, you, you might get you, you might get more out of that that interaction with him if you kind of become prepared with an understanding of what he's where you know i mean he's got a lot more to talk about than his workflow but for sure i mean he's like he could I, we could have like a whole day conversation with him but I th I, that's usually what people usually want to kind of ask him about is is the um sort of how how what what, what makes him tick and how did he come up with this workflow and um and just why you know you're gonna have maybe some questions as to why he um he does the thing that does things the way he does them so uh, i will see you next week um for sure for at least one of those hopefully otherwise stay animated see you around and um see you on the next one cheers thanks for listening to this episode we hope you got a lot out of it agora community is a free resource for artists in the animation visual effects and gaming industries providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.